Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Readers on the Wall. This is episode some number, let's say 19. <laughs> Close enough. I, I, have, I, I honestly have no idea <laughs> what the number is. But maybe maybe I'll put forth the effort and count <laughs> before next before our next one. I, I, we're probably we're, we're probably close to the twenties though. Probably like it really sounds about right. It's about well, right. This is yeah, this a few is, episodes ago. So yeah, mm-hmm. this is chapter sixty five, sixty six, and sixty seven. So we could do some division by three and. Yep. <laughs> Oh, we're not going to do that. Though. Just <laughs> this is not a, doesn't mean we can do the math. Okay? <laughs> this is not a math show. <laughs> well, well, well. So now that you say that, I, I actually just realized now that we actually like we didn't do the first like six uh, chapters of the book or something like that. Like, there's a couple chapters That's we true. haven't discussed because I because I know we haven't done the prologue together. So that's right. I thought we did. No, like we we did it in the group because originally. Oh, okay. yeah. Because mm-hmm. originally we were originally the way it was going to go is I had <laughs> I, I had so many master plans for this and it ended, <laughs> and, uh, and it ended up being better than what my master plans were because I have two great friends who chat with me in the, about these books now. But Aww. yeah, so you guys go all cute. <laughs> so um, yeah, the original plan was I was going to do it in in the Facebook group, the Game of Thrones Addicts group. We were going to discuss it every single week. I I am. Um, I remember I, I posted up a thing was like, Hey, everybody choose a character and you guys are going to do like an essay on them at the very end of the book and blah, blah, blah. And everyone was super hyped. And then of course that hype died and no one really cared. (laughs) So it was like, all right, whatever. And then, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a live show. I'm going to pick, well, I think I messaged like five people, including you two to like, Hey, I want to do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it it was you guys, um, Shelby, a guy named Derek and, I want to say her name was Stacy Mallory. Thank you. Yeah, Mallory. Mallory I think yeah. Maybe I messaged Stacy too, but I yeah. messaged I messaged all of them. I was like, "Hey, do you guys want to do a live show?" And you two are the ones to survive. So yeah, and then there were three. <laughs> and then there were three. Pretty much. <laughs> so the pack anyway. survives. Yes. <laughs> well, cool. So we're going to be covering chapter, like Madison said, we're going to be covering chapter sixty-five, sixty-six, and sixty-seven, which is Arya five, Bran seven, and Sansa six. And um, just to note, this is the last Arya, the last Bran, and the last Sansa chapter of this book, which is <gasps> which is pretty <laughs> nuts. Yeah. No. no well, it's just kind of crazy. Um, I mean, if you really think back to when this book was published and I'm like, wait, this was the last Aria chapter and it ended on that note and people who originally read the books had to wait like, you know, five, six years or whatever God, to figure out what happened. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, yeah. that must be terrible. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we have no idea. What? Okay. Okay. Guys, let's, let's just, let's just get it out there. Percentage wise, what are the chances that we get wins of winners this year? Based on his track record, I would say like zero <laughs> percent. But based on the fact that he's been much more vocal about it for the last several months, based on the mm-hmm. fact that obviously I think the Game of Thrones uh, fan base is, you know, left kind of um, unsatisfied, I think it may be motivating for him. And he did say that um, his fans could lock him in a cabin if he didn't have it <laughs> out by summer. So if he doesn't want a what's that? What's that movie about the author that gets locked in the cabin? Um, um, that movie. Oh, it's a oh, book. It's a book. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The secret I mean, secret win- 
Secret window? No, 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 um, not that one, but that's one too. Oh gosh, it's gonna kill me. It's like a Stephen King. Icon. Yeah, no, oh, misery, misery, yeah, misery. Yeah. There you go. If he doesn't want somebody to misery his ass. Like he better get on it. <laughs> it's probably gonna happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. I mean, I so have a cabin. So <laughs> right, get him in there. Um, well, just the rough part is, as as far as I recall. Um, it was a couple of years ago that he actually was like, all right, let's send in Winds of Winter to get it published. And then he pulled it back out and was like, no, I'm not happy with it. I'm not satisfied yeah. with this. And so basically he's been in rewrites for the past four years or something. And it's just, it does kind of kill me. Um, I will say, I don't think, I don't, I don't think anything could happen that's going to stop me from reading it though like i, I there's been a couple oh, yeah. fans yeah. there's a couple fans out there like oh i'm not even interested anymore i don't even care anymore and i'm just like dude <laughs> if, if, if winds of winter came out 10 years from today i would still read it i just right. don't oh yeah i'm too invested at this point and the thing is like if i enjoy the ending he writes even moderately better than the ending we got on the show then mm-hmm. i'll be like that's that's my ending like that's yep. the one i'm going to go with like yep, i want something I agree even marginally better than what we got would make me be like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, before we get started, one more question. Have you guys watched The Mandalorian yet, by the way, since we're... I have we not. About- oh, but I come- started the winter. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. Brooke, you get points for that. Uh, Madison, yeah, have you, you, I, have you watched... Com- I'm not completely caught up, but yes, I, I do watch it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Just curious. I... I, I um, <laughs> So my wife has never watched Star Wars in her life. Oh wow! Like what? never, she 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 doesn't really like it at all. So, but this know? one, she said she hasn't watched it. <laughs> well, what was funny was she she was um, she she sews a lot and she makes T-shirts and things like that. And mm-hmm. yeah. she's like, everyone's obsessed with this Baby Yoda thing, and I have no idea what it is. And I was like, oh well, it's <laughs> it's you know Yoda from you know she knows like the basic characters, and she was like, oh well, what show is he on? I'm like, oh, it's The Mandalorian. She's like, okay, we can watch that. And I was like, and so that was funny. We finished watching it and she turns to me and she's like, if baby Yoda wasn't in that, I would have felt, I, I, I would, I would hate it. <laughs> I was like, that's okay. I still love you. Well, I mean, <laughs> baby Yoda, he has that effect on people. Like he's pretty stinking adorable. Like, <laughs> he is pretty adorable. No, man, I wish I had the bag. My, my wife made like a, so in Oregon here, we, um, there's a plastic ban. So we don't have any plastic mm-hmm. bags in our grocery stores anymore, which is really mm-hmm. annoying, but that's okay. And she's so to she, New York. So she's um so she's making re- reusable bags and she put this this baby Yoda thing on there. It's super cute and very professional Aww. looking. So. <laughs> All right, guys, I think we've uh, hashed out enough. Are you guys ready to dive into Aria Five? Start the tears again. Yeah, it's like going to be so like <laughs> sad in here tonight. I know it, it's going to be rough. There, there's a lot of emotions in the next three books because just the quick and dirty of it. Aria's chapter, we lose Ned. He officially is executed and he is dead. He did not escape. He did not warg into the pigeons that were flying Boiler alert. over him when he was killed. Um, he is dead, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> then um, then we get the reaction from Bran and Rickon learning that their father is dead. And then we get Sansa, who is just in, I mean, just terrible. It's it's absolutely terrible what's happening to Sansa in this chapter. And it's it's actually pretty like raw feeling for me mm-hmm. so either way <laughs> uh, we'll get there but right now we're going to start in aria five and this chapter is actually split into basically two sections 
And it kind of throws me off every time I read it because the first half is basically like, hey, we're going to figure out what, what's happening to Arya ever since she left left uh, the Red Keep. Right. It was, and, it's almost kind of like it's sad because she's like, you know, starving and she's not safe and stuff. But this kind of has this adventurous feel like, all right, she's learning to navigate Flea Bottom. Like she's learning yes, it's uh, about, about how to survive in King's Landing. And it's not a fun chapter, but it's exciting. And it, so yeah, it kind of sweeps your legs out from under you when it's like, what are the, what are those bells? Oh, bells. Music. Yeah, right. We don't like bells. No. Oh, no. It, yeah, no, when those bells start ringing and she hears like, oh, like the hand is going to be killed. It's just, oh, it's super rough. But anyway, so what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to go through kind of summarizing the chapter and we're just going to kind of share our thoughts as we go. So the chapter starts out with Arya catching pigeons. And which is, it's just mm, like, yum. pigeons just suck. Okay. Pigeons are rats <laughs> with wings and they're terrible animals and I hate them. And the fact that, the fact that that is kind of like her source of food at the moment, like it talks about her, like she catches them, she can trade them in for food, but it also says that she's ate it. She's, she eats them raw a couple times. And I'm just like, oh gosh. I know it's a bird. Don't eat birds raw. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I will say I am impressed how quickly she has adjusted. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, I mean, she was, she was part of a, you know, she was a Stark. Like she lived very, very comfortably. Right. She was and, a black sheep of her family, but she was still a princess by all right. means. Like mm-hmm. Exactly. So I, I'm impressed that she's been able to adjust so much. I mean, so she's catching these pigeons and we kind of see like where she's at right now. A cart of, t- of, of uh, tarts come by and she's just like. I feel like it's her like, like, oh man, I used to eat tarts all the time and it was so, yeah. so warm and comfortable. And she's like begging for one. And the guy's like, like, dude, screw me one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she does say that, doesn't she? Doesn't she? She's like, hey, like, hey listen, like, I feel hey, like you're selling those, but like, what if, like, this is crazy. Like, what if you just gave me one? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> pretty much. And I, I, I mean, that's definitely her, you know. Like, like we said, she was basically a princess, so she's used to yeah. being like, hey, it's I want reality, one, give it to me. It's a reality check, and, he, and she's just like, oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I do also, I don't know, I feel like this whole catching pigeon thing is also, it's kind of nice to see Sirio Pharrell's training for her kind of coming out and showing, you know? she. I think so there's a line in there talking about, she's like, oh yeah, catching pigeons is so much easier than catching cats. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's coming out, it's actually proving that it's actually changed her yeah, it was actually um, useful it wasn't just you know things he was spitting to her during a lesson yeah, yeah right um then after that we kind of learned that so aria she's she's basically she's trying to stay far away from the red keep as much as possible um then she's kind of keeping track of rumors that are going around like it's talking about everyone basically agrees that robert everyone knows that robert Baratheon is dead but there's all these rumors flying around like oh renly killed him and or ned killed him or Ver- the varus the spider poisoned him at dinner and oh no it was a boar that killed him and so on and so forth and and that'll pop up again later on when we hear about ned being executed it'll those rumors will pop up which kind of just show i don't know i feel like that's kind of a nice world building thing that's that's going to happen in this in a small community such as flea bottom where you know everyone's poor and it's like well we got to keep ourselves entertained somehow and we're just Mm going to make up these stories to make it all better i thought it was kind of interesting though and it probably means nothing that all those rumors swirled about king robert's death but the story about rhaegar kidnapping liana was just like accepted you know what i mean like Hmm. you know 
I thought that, that was kind of interesting. I like that. Like that that's kind of like, it's just common, it's common place. Like nobody questions it. Nobody whispers about it. Nothing. And then this is like, oh, Ned killed him or no, it was the boar who killed him. Nope. It was Cersei. It's like, it's just kind of interesting that that was that's wildly actually accepted. super good observation because you think on like different sides of the, you know, on the Lannister side, there'd be one version of it. And on the Stark side, there'd be another version on Baratheon. Like you mm-hmm. think there'd be right. like, at least like variations of the, the tale of what happened to Lyanna Stark. But instead, it's just like, well, big old rapester took her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just the way it is. Well, I, I think at least at least in terms of the North rumor mill about that, I think I think um, Ned probably I, I'm, I'm curious if Ned actually encouraged that rumor and didn't like because because oh, for example like when when Catelyn comes to Ned and is like hey what about this chick named Ashara Dane I'm hearing all about this stuff he's like don't you dare mention that name blah 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 where did you yeah. hear that from and he stomps it out mm-hmm. very heavily mm-hmm. yep I remember and that. I'm I, I'm curious if like rumors about like oh yeah like yeah Rhaegar totally took Leanne and raped her I wonder if I wonder if Ned was just like I'm just not going to say anything because right. it that helps protect John and yeah. Yeah. helps you know that. No one's going to find out that John is actually a Targaryen. Right. And if her family isn't saying anything, then why would anybody else? Right. And Mm -hmm. he has really no one left to defend him. But it's, Mm -hmm. it's also interesting because he was the, you know, the heir to the throne, the crown prince. And it went against everything. It contradicted everything that was known about his personality and so yeah. it is very strange that it was like, again, I know this isn't what we're talking about tonight, but that now that you mentioned that, that is pretty interesting because like he was known to be a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, all the Targaryens are gone, but there's still Targaryen loyalists that should be like, hold on. Like that doesn't sound like Prince Rhaegar at all. Yeah. It's very strange. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. That's a chin scratcher. Anyway, yeah. Good job. <laughs> Anyways, so thank you. So, kind of just the general situation that Arya is in right now. Um, she's constantly kind of circling around King's Landing, look, fi- trying to find basically a safe way to get out. But all mm-hmm. of the gates are 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 either closed, being watched, or um, like people going in and out. There's basically, I think there's like six or seven gates going in and out of King's Landing. Most of them are closed. And I think there's only two of them that are open, and it's basically ones for receiving, ones for exiting. And everyone's being inspected as they go in and out. So she feels pretty trapped. So she kind of is hanging out in Flea Bottom. Right. Um, there's kind of, there's kind of like, I, I wonder what the setup is, but it's kind of like this um, soup kitchen basically set up where you can come in and trade in. At least she trades in one pigeon to them. And she gets a bowl of brown, which sounds like the most appetizing thing you've probably ever <laughs> eaten. And, but then she also gets like the other half of her pigeon cooked up, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of nice. Like, yeah, you know, it seems seems like a decent deal. You know? like, bring, bring your own food, and we'll cook it for you, and like give you some bread to go with it, and some exactly some gross oh, gravy that's been cooking for years. <laughs> Pretty no, much. We just we just add stuff to it. <laughs> well, well, th- the thing about it, it's you know, that that bowl of brown is. I mean, it's just like, oh yeah, there's onions and there's carrots and stuff like that. But then there's just some mystery kind of meat, meat. <laughs> some mystery meat in there, which um, it's going to get a little, little creepy later on just to foreshadow it. It gets oh, kind no. of ominous as to what is in that bowl of Brown. Um, <laughs> actually in the, actually even in this chapter, it mentions something along the lines of like, Oh, if you bring, bring, if you, you can trade in like a couple puppies to them yeah. and they'll give you like a copper for them. And they're like, 
Yay! Yeah, they're eating doggies. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever else they don't want roaming the streets. Of. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, but the thing is, Arya doesn't really want to hang around that area because the people there are noticing that she's wearing a little more finer clothing. She hasn't, she's still, she's, she's still wearing that cloak from house Stark. It's very nice. Um, she's got, you know, decent shoes on and things like that. And it's led to a lot of, it's led to her being pretty paranoid about it. I mean, she's been chased. She, uh, stuff has been stolen from her while she sleeps. Um, she's been able to hold on to needle just by sleeping on top of it, basically. And it's, I mean, it's so brutal and rough. It's just like, yeah. oh my gosh. And in this chapter, it's where she starts wearing, I, I mentioned this in another show, but it's where she starts wearing her cloak offset. And mm-hmm. I think, I like to think that that's where they got the, the costume designers got her final look. Because in those last couple chapters, when she heads back to Westeros, Arya and more so Maisie Williams really like, like she kind of owns that look of having that offset cloak and it's mm-hmm. tailored that way. But I like to think that's a direct nod to this reference in this chapter where it says that she wears her cloak offset so she can cover her cover needle mm-hmm. so it's not seen. And I just like that because people after the show aired, especially this last season where she always wore it tailored like that. And it wasn't like it was just thrown over her shoulder. It was tailored that way. And they right. would be like, what's up with that? Why? And I'm like, it's because that's how she <laughs> learned to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So so after all these incidents of being of you know her stuff being stolen, people chasing after her, she tries to stay away from that area as much as possible, to, just for her own safety. And this has led to her um, starving a lot. Basically, <laughs> she's going she's going more hungry and hungry as the day goes on. And I really like this um, this line in the book it says um, her lord father had taught her never to steal, but it was growing harder to remember why. And which is which is pretty tragic. It's you know that's her. It's kind of a sign that her innocence is you know yeah. it's starting. It's starting to go away. She's mm-hmm. she's forgetting all these lessons that her father taught her. That's made her into a good person. But she can't really follow those rules anymore because she's not yeah. living in that life anymore. Right. Yeah, and it reminds you too that it's easy to say. Like it's easier to say to talk about doing the right thing. But in reality, it's not black and white. Like sometimes right. you have to survive. And it's kind of a nod to Ned to remember that like you're also kind of privileged and naive, Ned. Like it's not as black and white as everything you think, Ned. <laughs> like there <laughs> is a lot of gray. No, most definitely. That that really is the problem with Ned Stark is he, he you know, which, which is kind of ironic because I remember there is a there is a chapter where Ned is on the Iron Throne and it mentions that he's wearing all gray the col- mm-hmm. you know the, all the different shades of truth basically and it's like he rep- it's like it's like the book even points out that but he doesn't really believe that you know he's right. he is pretty black and white but anyways that's that's about Ned we're here yeah. to talk about Arya yeah. another um, thing about Arya's like activity in this chapter is that she's not just trying to figure out how flea bottom works and how to survive in it and how to not get robbed and trying to find a way out. She's also being actively pursued like gold cloaks and Lannister soldiers are looking for her. Right. So it really, it really nods to her smarts because she's having to really do a lot of multitasking on a pretty impressive level right here. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that, that leads us to what happens next. So she's, She's contemplating like, okay, what if I could swim across the Blackwater? And she's like, well, that I, the water is too rough. I wouldn't survive that. 
And she starts heading towards the docks, the piers or whatever. And she discovers that the ship that was supposed to take her and Sansa home, I think it's called the Wind Witch, is still in port. And she goes up there, she finds it, and she gets this, she is just overcome with emotion. She starts crying. She's like, oh my gosh, I found my hope. This is what's going to bring me home. And and as she kind of approaches it, she then realizes that the the men who are guarding it, while they're dressed in um, Stark uniforms, they're not people she recognizes. And and I kind of and I, I, we have kind of like an Obi Wan Kenobi moment with Serial Pharrell here, you know, like she <laughs> steps forward and then you know, see with your eyes, ooh, see with your eyes, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that happens, and she's like, wait a minute, I know all of the Stark men who came down here. I know them very well. And these guys are not them. One of them approaches her and is is like, "Hey, what do you what do you want, boy?" And that's kind of her clue. Like, wow, they don't recognize me. They don't know who I am. And so, I I really like the part where it talk. She says something like, "If I step backwards, they'll chase me." Mm-hmm. And so it says like she stepped forward, and I'm just like, "You are such a boss, Arya!" Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm so proud of her. Uh, I know it was just like that's such a little thing, but you know, oh. Oh no! Sorry, my son came in here. What's wrong? I said it was bedtime. Hey guys. Hi, Jamie. Jamie's got a Jamie's got a cold. Oh man, that's no fun. (laughs) What's wrong? Everything all right? Did you go to the medicine? Yeah. Okay. Uh oh. It's okay. He'll come back. I'm trying to figure out where we are. It's amazing. Because she's, you forget that she's like nine. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was actually thinking the same thing. So I have an eight year old daughter, and I have a niece who is um, Uh, 10, and a niece who's 11. Come on, come on, buddy. And I try to think about. It's okay. He'll be all right. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) He'll be okay. It's it's okay, earlier sorry. there at your house, so I'm like, yeah. my kids aren't. The only reason my kids aren't busting in is because they've been in bed for two hours. <laughs> right? No, yeah, it's it's like it's bedtime. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you, yeah, you are in a totally different time zone. So if it were seven thirty at my house, it would be kids central in here. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Um, I was just sorry. saying that I have I have a daughter who's eight, and then a niece who is ten, and a niece who's eleven. And I'm really close with all of them. And so as I'm reading this chapter, I try to think about like these kids I know, I know <laughs> being that like um, street smart in a situation. And I'm like, they'd be so dead. Like, <laughs> they wouldn't even stand a chance. Not because they're not smart kids. I mean, they're just not like Arya. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty pretty much. Well, I, th- I think it's just like Arya just has that will to survive. She does have this. Sarah Pharrell taught her the skills to survive. And she's just been she's been shoved into the pool and says hey you need to learn to swim now yeah and she's just applying it pretty quickly it's very impressive yeah. it's like how, like how she like references like remembers something her dad teaches her and she's like yeah i'm gonna file that away and never and then yeah. <laughs> remembers what serio taught her and she's like, okay now this is something i can apply to real life <laughs> well that's kind of that's interesting you mentioned that because you know as we know ned does die in this chapter and that's kind of like a shift from one mentor to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with his death, it kind of like solidifies it that she, like, she's not looking towards Ned really. I mean, you know, she thinks about it and loves him, of not course, sure. but she's kind of shifting her attention to what Sirio taught her instead of what Ned has taught her. All right. 
Oh, sorry. I thought something else. Anyways, so um, so she steps forward and is like, hey, do you guys want to buy a pigeon? And they're like, dude, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so she books it because she's pretty freaked out. You know, her, you know, you know that feeling like when you go to put the garbage out in the middle of the night and you're running back to the house and you're like, there's a dog chasing me. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. or some axe murder is trying to kill you. That's exactly oh, probably yeah. how she's feeling. When she gets into flea bottom, notices that her pigeon fell off, which is just kind of like, you know, oh, I know. it's, it's just like, oh, man, just like, yeah, a little salt in the wound for her. <laughs> and then um, so I don't know why this popped in my head during this scene, but the next scene is when the bell, the bell rings once, which is, which they call it a summoning bell. And <laughs> then like all these people pop out of the windows to like, like, what's that? What's going on? And it just reminded me of like that scene in beauty and the beast, like when bells like walking through <laughs> yeah. town and it's like, this is like a not safe for work version of it because like, <laughs> like a prostitute like pops out and is like, what was that bell? And her boobs are flying everywhere. And there's some dude behind her fondling her. And <laughs> Disney has grown up kids. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> Pretty much. There must be more than this. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what it is. <laughs> Pretty much what it is. So, um, so basically everyone's like, oh, it's a summoning bell. We need to head to the Scepter Baylor. And then everyone's like, why are we going there? And a little boy's a kid's running by and he's like, oh, they're going to kill. They're going to kill the hand of the king. Like they're going to behead him. And of course, Arya is like, like goes white, is freaking out. And she starts running with the crowd. She at one point she does trip. She falls, busts up her, her nail and her thumb, her, her knees all scraped up. And it's just like, like. I, I don't know what that means. Like it's that, that was one of those scenes that I'm like, okay, I don't know why that happened to her. And I'm sure there's some reason to it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just more, maybe it's just more salt in the wound, you know? Yeah, know. She does keep talking about the nail through the rest of the chapter, how it like leaves blood on the statue and stuff. And I mean, I've lost five fingernails before. <gasps> it's awful. It's awful. I got a virus and it attacked my my fingernails <sighs> and it made them fall off. But they oh. would get caught on things and rip off. Guys, it was the worst. <sighs> like I understand. Oh. <laughs> it's happened to me on one finger. It's actually kind I, of a, a funny thing. Oh. I was I was in like high school, middle school maybe, and it was my ring finger. And when you're like a 16-year-old girl, you're like that's my wedding ring finger. It's so lovely. <laughs> and it actually it grew back, but like it took it like years because it was it, I had to have like surgically removed. Oh my god! And now it's, a great, it's a great nail now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I, I have to say I can feel her pain. I'm like that would be enough for me to be like, well, I'm calling in to work today or whatever. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> She's just like keep going, but it must have been just all adrenaline because that nail should have got her down. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Well, well, I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. <laughs> so um, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. So, so, um, so Arya starts heading towards the Scepter Baylor while everyone's heading that way as well. Of course, this is when the kind of the rumors are flying around of why why the Hand of the King is being killed. And um, she gets there. She's running through the crowd. There's people who are like climbing on other people's carts, and like the guys like whipping them off of it. Like, dude, what the hell? Get off! Get off my cart! And um, she eventually she eventually climbs uh the the statue of Baylor and is that's how she can see over the crowd to see what's happening. And she looks up there and kind of the scene that's said is they're on the they're on the steps of Baylor. Ned is there being held up by two gold cloaks. His his the cast he has on for his leg is like rotting. It's so and gross. 
it's I, super I gross. I don't know why that got me, but like just that one line, how it was like gray and rotted. I was like, no, no, <laughs> right? Like I already but, knew it was gray and rotten <sighs> from his last chapter, but it still didn't sit yeah. well with me. <laughs> um, let's see. So, so he's up there. The um, the high septon is up there. Who just seems like a really big fat dude with this like crown on his head, and it's just kind of like this really gaudy looking person. Yeah, Cast that guy. Right. What are you doing here? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Cersei, Joffrey, Sansa are up there. Varys is up there. Um, oh, what's Janna Slint is up there? That bastard. <laughs> um, yeah. And little li- Littlefinger is up there as well. Um, she doesn't recognize him. She says something along the lines of like, "Oh, that." There's that guy up there with that p- stupid pointy beard. Like he's yeah. up there as well. She's like, I think that was the guy that fought a duel for my mom. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. That, that that's exactly what it is. And I put it a makes note you here. Wonder if that's like a like a favorite family story at their house or something. Like, how does she know about that? I mean, I mean, it must be. It must be something. But the thing is, like, I don't know. I can't really imagine Catalan telling that story or yeah. ned really even i know it's unless it's because Littlefinger is part of the small council so it's just like something that follows him everywhere like oh hey there's the guy that he fought for catlin catlin tully and yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like, yeah it could possibly be that you know maybe she just heard it from other people other people i mean may- maybe catlin mentions it maybe I don't, i'm not sure but maybe it's like the story that like when Uncle Blackfish comes around, he's like, "Come on, kids, I'll tell you a story." <laughs> that that could definitely About be it. A time that your uncle whipped this little prick's ass, like, sheesh. <laughs> and um, and one thing that Arya noticed is that Sansa's up there, and she's kind of like smiling, and she's like, "Okay," which just kind of puts us in into the perspective that Sansa's like, she has hope that everything's going to turn out okay. Well, she thinks she's smoothed it over. She's like, oh, all right, check and check. Like, this is bad, but I think he's going to live. Right. This is like, the best possible outcome, yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I worked, I I did everything I could. Like, you know, I feel like she does think, like, she's so naive that she's just I like, should. okay, I think I got this. I did exactly what they told me to do. Right. Um, I did put a note down for Cersei's outfit. Is just another, like, pretty killer thing. I mean, it, uh, let's see. Um, to the a black morning gown slashed with crimson, a veil of black diamonds in her hair. And I don't know, maybe that's just like a slight little hint that like that slash of red, it's like, it's not going to end very well. <laughs> Could be. But of course, Cersei doesn't know that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so next, next up comes, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. So yeah, so this is when Ned starts, conf- starts his confession. And I think the most realistic thing in this whole book is when he starts talking someone's like hey like i can't hear you like, louder. can you talk a louder and of course you're like you know what shut up just shut up just get i always think about that in movies though where they'll be like standing in front of like you know twenty thousand people and they're like hear ye, hear ye and i'm like oh yeah right no one can hear you <laughs> Jeez. and like sometimes in books you'll it'll even say that like the men on the front line like the, the speaker will pause as people pass the word back it sounds mm-hmm. like waves of sound and i'm like that's re- realistically how it happened but in movies and stuff it's just like all of a sudden they have a megaphone for a mouth <laughs> pretty much yeah, so i thought it was good that they pointed out that everyone's like, hey we can't hear you <laughs> pretty much and then so so this is the moment that we 
that this is kind of the shift into the other half of the chapter, which is net ex- execution. And I just want to note that, I don't know, I feel this chapter is kind of strange to me. Just it feels so separate between mm-hmm. these two. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It's a little clunky personally to me, but that's just, a, I just want to say that before I forgot about it. So um, Ned's up there and I just want to read his confession because there is something kind of cool and interesting in here. Um, his father raised his voice still higher, straining to be heard. I betrayed the faith of my king and the trust of my friend, Robert. He shouted, I swore to defend and protect his children. Yet before his blood was cold, I plotted to, to uh, depose and murder his son and seize the throne for myself. Let the high Septon and Baylor, the beloved and the seven bear witness to the truth of what I say. Joffrey Baratheon is the one true heir to the iron throne. And by the grace of all the gods, Lord of the seven kingdoms and protector of the realm, which is every time I read that it is so painful because know. you know, it's painful for him to say that just all Such those lies, especially but, because in the very beginning, the way he words it, you're like, okay, sly. Like maybe he's going to find a way to word this. That totally appeases Joffrey sounds like mm-hmm. an apology, but he doesn't say anything. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And then he keeps going and you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, okay. So fun fact, I think he did find a way to say it without feeling as terrible. Cause if you notice, he says, um, let the high Septon, Baylor, the beloved, and the seven bear witness to the truth of what I say. Right. Not, not the, the old Ned, gods. Yeah. Yeah. Ned, Ned doesn't follow them at all. Right. So true. he follows the old gods. And I wonder that's if that true. was, I wonder if that was like a slight way for him to, to be like, Hey, if people know who I am, they'll know I'm not actually bearing this truth because of that's the way a, I said this. Okay. I like point. that. Me too. You know what I mean? And I don't know, maybe, maybe it was that maybe he was thinking like, okay, if I say it like this, maybe people will kind of catch on to it. Or maybe it was just something personal for him, how he, he didn't want to lie. And so Mm -hmm. he found a way to kind of comfort himself and be like, okay, well, I'm not swearing to my gods. I'm swearing to Mm -hmm. gods. I don't believe in. Yeah. Man, I I feel like he was Ned to the very end. When I realized that when I read that on this reread, I was like, that's so Ned. Like he's, he's just so true to himself. And he's like, I don't want to betray who I am. Mm-hmm. I want to be the, an honest person. I want to have the honor that I've, that I've tried to strive to live, to have. And this is a way he found out to, to get past that and maybe comfort himself in this trying time. Um, so he does his confession. Then, um, and then people throw rocks at him and I'm just like, you guys are assholes. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, yeah, so okay so one thing i actually so one thing i just noticed so so Arya got hurt on the way to the execution ned got hurt before he was executed and in the very next chapter the crow that that brings the message to bran and rickon is also injured when oh. it arrives so i don't know if that means anything but that's just oh. something similar i noticed everyone gets hurt around this whole thing hmm. um i don't know maybe it's just like an uh, like a more of a visual way to show that his death has hurt tons and tons of people. But anyways, um, let's see. So yeah, they're throwing rocks at him. You got two of the King's guard who are like meat shields for Joffrey and Cersei. And they just kind of stand there. Unfortunately, um, Pretty much. And, and um, <laughs> this is when Arya starts, like she reaches down and grabs needle and she's like ready to defend him basically. And it's like, oh, Arya. <laughs> and then the Septon goes forth to Joffrey um, it says he kneels down to him, but I feel like he probably flops down and is like, hey, like he's sworn this. Can or, can we be merciful to him? And then we get the, the moment where um, 
they look towards Joffrey and let's see, let me see. If, I want to find it real quick. Yeah. It's okay. bad. <laughs> so, it makes okay. you remember like, that's why I, I really so, hate him. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to read the paragraph. A thousand voices were screaming, but Arya never heard them. Prince Joffrey, no, King Joffrey, stepped out from behind the shields of his king's guard. My mother bids me let Lord Eddard take the black, and Lady Sansa has begged mercy for her father. He looked straight at Sansa and smiled. And for a moment, Arya thought that the gods had heard her prayer until Joffrey turned back to the crowd and said, but they have the soft hearts of women. So long as I am your king, treason shall never go unpunished. Sir Illyn, bring me his head. It's, oh, it's just okay that okay like that smile that he gave is like just the epitome of a bad guy you know yeah. what i mean and it's just mm-hmm. oh my gosh it's so rough here and then um i do want to read the next par- paragraph because we kind of get the reactions of people so the crowd roared and Arya felt the statue of baylor rock as they s- surged against it the high septon clutched at the king's cape so the high septon didn't know this was going to happen and Varys came rushing over, waving his arms. So Varys right. didn't know it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just think about it. Varys is probably thinking like, holy crap, my plans have just exploded. Yep. yeah. Because he was so prepped for Ned to stay alive. He was going to get sent to the wall. It was going to keep the peace for a little while longer while he gets everything set up. And it all just blew up in his face. Um, and even the queen queen was saying something to him, but Joffrey shook his head. So Cersei didn't know what was going to happen. Right. I mean, because she's thinking of this from a political angle. Like he's just like, all right, time for me to make my mark as king and like yep. show everyone who's boss, and I don't get pushed around by women. But like everyone else is like already has their own plans going. And Cersei at this point, I think she's just like that is such a dumb political move. Like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I know she has plans of her own right now, but her plan is just to stay in power. Like, right. I don't even think she has some master long-term plan at this point. She's just trying to keep her kids on the throne so she can stay in power. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. her family her family can stay in power. And that move right there just, like, that just set her in motion now. Because now she has to be maneuvering constantly because mm-hmm. of something stupid that her kid did. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, That's like we did that poll. Shelby did that poll in um, in Game of Thrones Attics last week about like who do you think is responsible for Ned's death? And I was surprised at how many people voted Cersei. And I wonder if it was people who maybe hadn't read the books and are just mm-hmm. just thinking like Cersei bad, Cersei bad. Because mm-hmm. I'm like really up until this point, if Ned had stayed out of her business, she wasn't looking to cause a lot. No. Of- yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has caused to like kill the king. Like that's trouble. But right. like that is trouble. As far as Starks go, she wasn't trying to stir anything up with the Starks necessarily. Like, I mean, she wasn't trying to kill anybody. No, she, she offered Ned the choice, right? You know, to go exactly. He was well, the one who came to her and was like, "Hey, by the way, I know your secret." <laughs> pretty much. Well, well, we know that Cersei didn't have an influence in this. I mean, he, she even talks to Tyrion about it later in Clash of Kings, where she openly yeah. says, "Like, no, I didn't want him dead. I wanted him at the Wall." So we know she doesn't have a. She didn't have her. You know, she didn't plan for this, and she didn't mm-hmm. see it coming. And we'll right. and we'll we'll kind of get into that whole Ned, who's responsible for Ned's death here in just a little bit. Um. So. Those are all the reactions from the big players. Notice that Littlefinger isn't mentioned in this at all. Just saying. Just planting the seed of truth. 
so so Arya is like shit (laughs) she jumps off a baler she's running through the crowd she's she's slashing people with with needles she's trying to get to ned just this kind of wild ferocity that's coming out of her um sir ill and pain like walks right up to ned um it says that uh the knight in the black and gold gave a command that's janice slint um he doesn't hesitate at all it doesn't seem like I don't know. I mean, it might just be looking too far into it, but it just looks like he's like, all right, let's do this. He's like, all right, let's just do this. He goes in, throws him down to get ready for the execution. And then, um, and then this is when Yorin shows up. Who's a member who he is a member of the, of the night's watch. He's the guy who kind of goes down to King's landing and throughout the realm looking for more recruits. Um, He grabs Arya and basically tells her like, don't look, you're not going to, I don't want you to see this. But one thing that Arya does see is Sir Ellen Payne. He pulls out the sword to kill Ned and it's, it's the Valerian steel sword ice, yeah. which is the sword that belongs to Ned. And just how f- messed up is that? <laughs> what? That's like, so like twisted, like using a man's own family sword to mm-hmm. take his head off. And yeah. also, to me, shows that there was more than just Joffrey standing up on the stage being like, ooh, I'm going to play the power role today. You know what I mean? Like, this was thought out. They brought yeah. Ice in. They dressed Ned nicely. Like, th- there was a plan there. No, I, I 100% agree. Because the thing is, like, it wasn't like, oh, Sir Ellen Payne, hey, here, you get this new sword. Yeah. You know, like, cool, you just get it. I think that is definitely a hint towards that this was planned out. Uh, Janice Slint just automatically going up there and just like, all right, let's do this thing. Yeah. I think that's and, another hint towards it. Yeah, even though because he's a weasel, like, and obviously will just do whatever Joffrey says. You think it's still it would still catch him off guard a little bit, like, oh, yeah, right, right, like, oh wait, that's this is a new plan. plan? Now? Okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah, sure, okay, I guess we'll do it. You know, <laughs> um, so she sees that she's grabbed by Yorin, and let's see, he says, um, the old man shook her so hard her teeth rattled which is a great description, by the way. Um, Shut your mouth and close your eyes, boy. Dimly, as if from far away, she heard a a noise, a soft sigh. Yeah. Sighing way, sound. Yeah. Um, the way as if a, noise, I was like... Mm, I know. It's, yeah. no. As if a million people had let out their breath at once. The old man's fingers dug into her arm, stiff as iron. Look at me. Yes, that that's the way of it. At me. Sour wine per- perfumed his breath. Remember, boy. And... I just want to give props to Yorin right here because as we'll see in Sansa's chapter, her Sansa's seen Ned being killed haunts her for the rest of the series. And it's a terrible thing to witness your father being executed right in front of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like Yorin, I don't know. I, I mean, he I think, that, sh- from that. I, I think yeah. that gives you some sense as to who Yorin is and what he's seen. Maybe it kind of can reveal something about his backstory that he knows, like, if you see something like this, it's going to kill you. It's There's gonna no, going to destroy your life. It's going to change you. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. unsee something like that. Exactly. And then, um, so Yorin takes her off into an alleyway and it, and I, it's really interesting. Like we, we know that Yorin basically is cutting her hair to make her look more like a boy and that he is going to take her up to the night's watch with her travel with him. But like just the way it's written um, says uh, he had a knife in his other hand as the blade flashed towards her face. Arya threw herself backward, kicking wildly, wrenching her head from side to side. But he had had her by the hair so strong she could feel her scalp tearing and on her lips the salt taste of tears. 
and so just remember this was the last this is the last aria chapter we get we don't get anything else beyond this in the first book and so if i was reading this when it first came out i i, I probably would imagine her be, being dead right mm-hmm. i mean i mean like i feel like you could kind of figure it out that she wouldn't be but just just from that description right there it's like what is happening <laughs> like, i know it's like this oh my is God, so not good. <laughs> it's terrible yeah. okay well that is um that is this chapter and we're gonna end on the big question guys okay oh, i have two questions actually first let's do the the lighter one first the first one um why do you think ned's execution was from Arya's perspective. Like, why did George decide to do it from her perspective and not from Ned's perspective? Yeah. Um, so I just want, like, leading up to to answer your question, you said that you thought this chapter was kind of clunky, mm-hmm. and I just I kind of imagine it just added to the element of surprise. Like, imagine you're in 1996, you pick up this book, you're reading it, and you think you're reading a chapter. Like I said, a somewhat scared adventurous you know figuring out how she's gonna escape you know because at this point you know ned's gonna figure out a way to get free and everyone's <laughs> gonna be reunited in winterfell and there's gonna be a war and you're like wow he's probably so all of a sudden it's jarring like it's clunky but i think it's on purpose is this mm-hmm. like make you like whoa like did that just happen and so um because I don't think anyone saw it coming, but they especially didn't see it coming in this chapter from Arya's perspective. So I think it was a little bit of just that shock value. I like that. I like that for sure. Well, I'll ask that question afterwards, but I think it's also just a way for George to kind of transfer the focus onto the other characters in the book, because because what because what ned has like 15 chapters in this book and we kind of saw him as the main protagonist the main person we're following in the books and i feel like if it was from ned's perspective it kind of would have it would have felt more like an ending you know what i mean like like he's dead the book's over but have it being from Arya's perspective is like like, her beginning yeah yeah no it's true no honestly the whole the first book the game of thrones book the very first book I feel like it's basically one big prologue to the rest of the story. That's a great way to put it actually. Because like Ned's death just springs out so much more, you know, like Mm -hmm. Sansa's stuck in King's Landing. Arya's on the road North. Bran and Rickon are stuck in Winterfell. Rob is off to war. You know, there's just all these, all these things that branch out from the death of Ned Stark. Yes. And it's just a really great setup in my Mm -hmm. opinion. That's like a real, like, I never thought of it that way, but this is like a 700 page prologue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other thing is like, so this is something that I've, that I usually mention when I talk about the prologue of Game of Thrones. I feel like the prologue in this book, when it talks about the White Walkers showing up with um, Waymar Royce and so forth, I feel like that's the prologue to the series. Because that's, you know, it's like the others are back. That's a huge thing. And we're going to explore their, them coming back, what their motive, what they're, what's going on with them throughout the whole story. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just kind of the way, the way I, I, I see it. Um, uh, before we get to the question about Ned, do you guys remember, do you guys remember where you were and your reaction to Ned dying? Like, think back to when you first saw it, when you first read it. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I remember clearly. <laughs> so, so just I'd, I'd like us to share because it's it's a huge event in my opinion in this for this story. Um, so just quick history on me. I I watched I started watching Game of Thrones when season four came out. 
I watched the first two episodes and I was like, wait, this is a book series. It's going to be better. So I stopped watching the show, picked up the books and I read them first. Good for you. Good for you. It, it, t- it took a lot. I wish it I took, had done that. <laughs> it, took, it took a lot. It took a lot of effort. I, I read like the first book and then I watched the first season and then I finished the books and then watched the rest. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I first read, I was, I was on my home in my big blue sectional and I read it and I literally got to the end of that chapter and I was like, wait, what? And I flipped back and I read the whole chapter again. And then I flipped <laughs> back and read just the execution section again. I was like, oh my God. And it just, it just freaked me out so badly. And then I quickly finished the book and I watched the show and I saw it happen in the show. And I was like, it, that was when I was like, he is actually dead. Like yeah. really dead. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, because I'm like, I've said, I don't have a very good imagination. So when I, when I actually got to see it on the show, that's when it was confirmed to me. So what, what about you, Brooke? When, when did you see it? I, I saw it. I had, so I started watching game of Thrones right after the sixth season. (sighs) Um, so I had rented it from the library and I was sitting, well, actually I was laying in my bed watching TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I just remember like, I watched it and my jaw dropped open and I just remembered thinking, this is not like any other show I've ever watched. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, it's true. (laughs) So true. So true. What about you, Madison? I mean, yeah, I just was like, all right, who's going to save him? All right. Maybe it'll be so-and-so. Maybe Cersei will say something. Oh, maybe Sansa will, you know, maybe a wolf will jump out. Like literally, (laughs) like like, with every step that Ellen Payne took towards his body, I'm like, something's going to happen. Maybe this is where the magic starts. (laughs) Yeah, right. I I I just was like, yeah, when he real, I was like, maybe it wasn't him, you know, like anything. Like I was just searching Mm -hmm. like calling for it to not be him and then i was just like that they really just killed off sean bean like this this, poor sean bean poor sean bean Bean. the the other thing that actually so i've I've never written a book i've always in my brain i think i would love to write write a book but i'll I'll probably never will but in my brain i think it would be cool (laughs) and i just i just remember when he died i was like that takes some balls because i feel like at least in in my brain, I was like, okay, like you can write a story and it goes along. Great. goes along. Great. But man, when you decide like, okay, I'm going to kill Ned Stark. You have to figure out like how everyone is going to react to that. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of brain power that you got to think of. It's like, I got to figure out how Cersei, Jamie, T- uh, Tyrion, Tywin, I got to figure out how they're all going to react to his death and what's going to spread out from this you have to be pretty confident in your story to be able to kill off the main character and still feel okay doing that (laughs) exactly my my, we have a cat door and for some reason my cat like refuses to go out of it she's just like oh i'm just gonna go scratch at the door i'm like there's a door right there i'm not getting up (laughs) well great so the big question guys you ready I'm ready. Who is responsible for the death of Ned Stark? Now, Ooh. I'm going to give you a couple candidates because I posted I posted this up on the group on the Facebook group, and I just listed out basically anybody who I've heard be responsible for, like just throughout discussions in the, in the fandom. So you got Joffrey, Littlefinger, Catelyn, Ned himself, Cersei, and Varys. Those are the six people that I've heard most often blame be blamed for his death. 
how specific are we talking? Are we talking about the instance of Sir Ellen Payne <laughs> taking his head off or just his death in general? Um, I, so I would say this. We're going to say death in general because I feel like okay. I feel like if you um, like if you're writing out a police report, like, hey, go arrest X for killing Ned. You know, I feel like that's too specific. And it's like yes. you're missing the whole point yes. of it. So if you had to pin it on if you had to pin it on one person, who would you pin it on? You think? Man, so I, this, is, this is a. I mean, obviously, it's a hard question because it's like one of the most common things that the fandom debates. But mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard for me personally to answer because I can thoroughly convince myself about three ways. So, <laughs> right. like, and that and that's part of my personality is I am a debater by nature, and a good a good debater can be given you know kind of like a defense attorney. Like you can de- you know I can defend someone who's guilty. So, like. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, my favorite answer is probably just Ned himself. Um, mm-hmm. But I also really like blaming Catelyn for everything bad that happens. In this <laughs> book, so. I, know, I know you do. <laughs> so, but I, I'll, but then my, my third is Littlefinger. So I want to hear you guys go because I'm so indecisive on this. Right. Okay. Right. So. So here, Brooke, why don't, why don't you go? I'm curious what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I know what Harrison's going to say. I want to hear your My, I mean, if, if you just start to originally think about it, you got to go with Littlefinger just because he's the one who set all of this in motion. Yeah. But honestly, Great. for me, it comes down to Ned because he had so many chances to get out and he didn't <laughs> take them because he's Ned Stark. So I, for mm-hmm. me, it boils down to him. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So just a note, you call, you guys can have your wrong opinions. That's fine. I'm just kidding. I'm, a, I'm just kidding. No, no. I, I kind of like you, Madison. I can kind of convince myself as yeah. to yeah. It's almost will, anybody. Before you start, I will say that if I had to pick someone just based on like intentional maneuvering, then yes, I'm going to say Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so I'm just. I'm with, I, I'm with Brooke on the like, but he could have he could have saved himself. Mm. Yes. But it's not who is responsible for not saving himself. It was who was responsible for killing him mm-hmm. in Littlefinger. Yes. So yes, yeah. so you, you go, because I know you have good points. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to kind of go through the candidates real quick from least yes. to most. Um, so Varys definitely didn't have anything to do with his death. He was shocked and surprised by it. He wanted Ned alive, so he didn't have anything to do with it. Right. Um, Cersei didn't have anything to do with it as well. Once again, she was shocked. She didn't want him dead, and it kind of blew my mind that people actually... Kind of like you said, Madison. Pe- like during that poll, people were like, "Yeah, it was totally Cersei." And it's like, "No, <laughs> like yeah, you don't get it." <laughs> did you watch the show? You didn't. You don't get it. <laughs> um, let's see. She just wanted him out of her way. Like mm-hmm. right. Um, the other th- oh, another candidate I forgot to mention. Um, Robert is also blamed for his death by some people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I wouldn't. I would not. I would not strongly connect him to his death. Because people are like, yep. oh, if he didn't go up, then Ned wouldn't have gone down. And it's like, it's like, no. That, uh, it, it, it's just the, how much the fandom um, blames um, Sansa, which I think people just love being Sansa haters yeah. in general. Right. But it's like, it's like, I'm like, guys, no, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> just you're just too far into it. Well, just the other thing. The other thing is, I feel like some people look too far back. In order, in terms of the blame, you know, it's right. like, oh, well, let's think all the way back to the beginning. Like, oh, well, 
Yeah, we might you as well know, blame Littlefinger and Grandmother at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you right. Know well, I mean? well, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like, like, oh, John Aaron was killed. Littlefinger's the one who killed John Aaron, which is what sent, you know, Robert up north to bring him down, which is what brought up, you know, like they go so far back and it's like, look, his death wasn't planned that far back. No one wanted Ned dead that far back. You have, you right. can't go so far back because it just doesn't make sense. So like Robert, I don't blame him at all for his death. I feel like, you know, he wasn't a very good influence, but I don't think he, he was responsible for the death of him. I blame um, Robert for Robert's death. Yes. Well, okay. Okay. Well, this is, this is a whole other topic, but I blame Robert for Joffrey and the way he is all like, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that Joffrey does that I'm like, that's so Robert. Yeah. And it's, it it's terrible. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll actually get to that in the Sansa chapter as well. Um, let's see. Now we're kind of getting to the people who I who I would say more commonly could be blamed for it. Joffrey, I almost I don't know, like I blame him because he 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 was the one who said the words and he wanted it to happen. So I do put some blame on him, but I also think that Littlefinger influenced him. Yeah, it's um, like, he. I don't blame him for being a piece of shit because mm-hmm. like he was a product of incest and he was trying to mimic his father in some ways but also trying to please his mother and impress mm-hmm. his grandfather and yet nobody was like like lovingly fostering him to be right. a good person. so it's like sometimes you can't even bother you can't even blame him for being like super messed up and evil which i'm not excusing anything he's ever done by right. any means but you're right. like the kid didn't really stand a chance like, let's yeah. be real. <laughs> right so so I guess ultimately I don't actually blame Ned's death for jo- on Joffrey. I, that's a little that's a little vague, but but I th- I think he was just the announcer of yeah, of it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I'm going against the grain on this one. I don't think Catelyn is responsible for the death of Ned Stark. Um, I think she did a stupid thing, but I almost feel like that's going too far back. It is. It yeah. Is. To yeah, my yeah. point, I feel like that's going too far back, saying like, oh. Because Catelyn did this, it led to all this. And it's like, well, there was a ton of decisions made between Catelyn taking Tyrion and Ned's death, and people could have made a lot of different decisions. Oh, for sure. So I don't blame Catelyn at all. Um, Ned Stark, man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think he could have been a little smarter. But But the thing is, if you really think about it, if you took Littlefinger out of the equation, Ned would be on the wall right now. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't. So the thing sure. is, Ned didn't do anything that led. I mean, it's so hard well, because no, Ned because didn't, that Ned, conversation they right. had after Robert's death, mm-hmm. he, Littlefinger gave him every opportunity to just go along with his plan. Which does I mean not no one should be co- coerced into following somebody else's plan, but like. He the writing was on the wall. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you if you this is gonna screw me. If you support Stannis, then my job is lost mm-hmm. and I lose right. everything. Like Littlefinger told him that, and he was still like, "Well, we got to do the right thing." And so he should have known. Like, yeah, bad things that's are that's coming. a really good point. Yeah, yeah. So I think ultimately, yeah. um, I'm gonna little Littlefinger is responsible for the death of Ned Stark. And I think Ned did have a strong influence on that because of the poor decisions he made to stick around. Mm, I think he could, I think he could have gone out, but the, the thought of, of another, um, you know, children being killed, you know, you know, he had those flashbacks of Rhaegar's children being killed. He could not, he could not, 
you know, let it go to see Tommen and Marcella and Joffrey being killed, you know, the same way. So, so yeah, I, 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 I land on Littlefinger and I think Ned could have made some better decisions yeah. to secure his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh boy. I agree. I agree. Right. Like I, it is, it is definitely an onion with many layers. Oh yes. Most <laughs> but, definitely. But if someone, yeah, when a question is asked, who is responsible for, for the orchestration of this absolutely little finger like there's no mm-hmm. there's no way around that answer yep <laughs> i agree um also just to squash squash this theory ned stark is dead yes. he is not alive <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he was not he wasn't swapped out he didn't warg into a yeah. pigeon he <laughs> is dead everybody okay. he's not he's not serial pharrell wearing another face he's not he's not Wait, red no. Bar- Targaryen. Some people Wait, say now, that he's actually Rhaegar Targaryen. Now that you say that, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. I changed my mind. Yeah, you just blew my mind. Okay, guys. Well, um, that's everything I have for Arya's chapter and the death of Ned Stark. We're going to miss that bastard. <laughs> poor guy. That poor bastard. Oh my gosh. It's I so know. Tough. Okay. Death by honor. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, hey, that is Arya's chapter. Um, it's a really good one. That that back half is just so raw and really nice. Oh, yeah. to read. It's tough to read sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're going to move on to the next chapter. Unless you guys have any last thoughts you want to share. Uh, no, I think that was everything I had. Okay. Okay, we're going to move on to chapter 66, which is Bran 7. And this is the quick and dirty of it is um, at, the, at the end of this chapter, Bran, Rick, and learned that um, Ned Stark is dead. And, but throughout the chapter, they talk about him having them having dreams to, they basically kind of knew before it happened. And we'll get into that as we go. Um, one, one note that I will say about this chapter though, is I read it and, I, and then I read it. And when I got to the end, I realized I was like, wait, this is Bran's last chapter. And it kind of fell flat for me because I feel like, I feel like Bran doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> It's just kind of tough. Like I feel like his he doesn't have like a real conclusion in this book. Yeah. You know, there's not a complete like beginning to the end. It's kind of like, oh, like this stuff happened to him, and we're just gonna keep going. Yeah, right. Going, I think you know. Yeah. I think at this point, it's just two little boys realizing that their dad died. Like I don't think. Right. I think he's kind of playing down his. I mean, on one hand, I- he didn't play down anything because he was very foretelling and ominous in every one of Bran's chapters pretty much but at the same time I think it was kind of nice to leave it on an I mean Brooke has something to say let me hear what she has to say I I felt like I picked up on like I put down three different clues that this you could see that Bran was starting to become more and more in tune with his three-eyed ravenness so I don't know to me like it wasn't like a super like Arya's like you could really tell like it was like a loss of her innocence in the beginning Mm -hmm. of the warrior Arya but it it was a lot more subtle but I did notice different things that I was like "Hmm, I see it I can see it so cool cool I like it I like it um, all right, so we're, I'm going to start doing the summary of it. We can share our thoughts as we go. So Bran is up in the, up in the Maester's Tower with Maester Lewin, and they're kind of observing down the training yard. And the training yard is full of these you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old boys, and they're training training with, um, oh, God, I forgot his name for some reason, Sir Roderick. <laughs> in in sword fighting and you know he's walking around just being like you guys all 
suck at this. Oh my god, you fight <laughs> like a hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think one was like, you, "You're fighting like a goose. Like, stop fighting like a goose." You know, all this like poking and like, you know, which I'm sure is just super stressful for him. Um, and um, and just a note, I, I really I like this whole thing because Brand's kind of observing this and he's talking to Lewin, and Lewin's looking through this telescope. He's observing a comet. Which should note, it is the comet, like the, the one that pops up in the second book, and it's very prevalent in the show as well. He's looking at that guy, and it's just kind of funny how Brand's like talking to him, and, and Lewin's like, "Yeah, no way, okay, like, all right, <laughs> w- w- hold on, let me write this down real quick." Like he's very focused on this comet. Um, let's see. So, and he's and Brand's looking down down at them, and you know, kind of have these has these remorseful feelings, these jealous feelings, you know. You know, that that was his dream for so long to learn how to fight with a sword, to become yeah. a knight, to be to be that guy, you know, and for him to not being able to do that while he's up in the tower has got to be pretty terrible for him. Yeah. Um, he, he even talks about he's like, man, what if I went down there and like I could fight with a pole axe and I could be on Hodor's back and he could be my legs. And and Lewin starts tells him like, look, like when you're fighting, you have to all be one. Like you can't, it can't be these two separate brains doing different things. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that, that's definitely some light foreshadowing as to what is going to happen between Bran yeah. and Hodor. I which, like it when he was like, "Listen, dude, like Hodor is a man. Like he's not an animal." And I, I thought no. that was kind of good to for, remind Bran, like, "Listen here, you little." lordling yeah like he's a human being so let's not treat him like a horse no i i when i read that i was like i appreciate that so much that that, that's Mm -hmm. put in there because i mean think about this so um in a couple Tyrion chapters he mentions like look i was lucky i was born a lannister because if i wasn't i'd be dead right now i'd be left out in the in the you know in the woods for the wolves to eat me and i feel like hodor being a person with special needs and a mental disability i feel like that's something that would have you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things like you wouldn't expect Hodor to grow this old, right? The, and, to, yeah. and to be around because yeah, of that. The difference about how maybe people in the north of the Starks in general treat people versus how the Lannisters treat people, mm-hmm. because you know Hodor mm-hmm. was not born a Stark by any means, but I mean he was kept well by the Starks, mm-hmm. and you know somebody who was you know served high nobility is still a pretty high class citizen, like if you think about mm-hmm. it. Um, well, and so, like, they could have been like, oh, well, he has some disability and he's worthless to us. But instead, like, he's still, like, did he work, did he work with the horses or in the kennels? I don't remember. Uh, he, he worked in the stables. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but yeah, but like, but at Winterfell, like, not, you know, just right. in the north, like, actually at the castle. And so, like, that just kind of goes to show, too. Maybe, I don't know if it's just people in the north or just the kindness of the Starks, because it's something Starks are known for being kind. They're known for being cold and hard. But still, maybe in the north, they just value people more than they value them in yeah. Lannister land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I, re- I read that. And I was just, I was kind of appreciative of it. When yeah, I read it. for I was sure. Like, you know what? Go mm-hmm. you, Grim. I appreciate you putting them there. Um, then, um, let's see. Um, what is it? Hold on. Oh yeah, yeah. Then we get then we get kind of this mention of this um this car- this guy from the Age of Heroes, a story about this guy named Simon Star Eyes. Um, talk- I mean, he- this guy's basically a badass. He lost his eyes. He put these sapphires in his eyes, and he's got this like double bladed you know Donatello stick with knives on the end. And you're just like, <laughs> it's like, dude, this guy's the most badass thing in the world. And 
I don't know. It just kind of sets in that Maester Lewin is. So I, th- I feel like there's kind of two sides to this. First, Maester Lewin is a man of science and he's kind of grounded in that. He's like, you know, that's just a story. We can't, you know, that's just a story. We're not going to focus on that. When um, Bran mentions that he had a dream about Ned, he's like, well, it was just a dream. Like, and he tries to kind of justify, you know, kind of these strange things happening as like, oh, well, this is the reason why and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like one, one that's kind of part of his, just his personality and how he was raised and what he believes in. But I think it's also, he's trying to keep Bran grounded as the Prince of Winterfell. Like he doesn't want Bran to turn into this ruler who is seeing things and is saying like, Oh, I, I, I saw a prophecy and I looked into the future and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, I, and you know, that's not a good image. You know, I mean, we had a, we, there was a mad King who said that and he, you know, was going to burn King's land into the ground. And so I feel, I, and I'm sure Lewin isn't thinking Bran's going to do that, but I think he wants to keep Bran grounded to it down to earth. And so he doesn't, so that he doesn't, turn into anything even close to that mm-hmm. but um what i found what i found kind of interesting about lewin also is he's kind of like oh that's just a story oh it was just a dream you had but he still allows brand to go down in the crypts with him like he's like like lewin's basically like all right i'm done with my with my stuff like all right fine why don't we go down in the crypts and we'll see if your father's <laughs> down there <laughs> it, made, it made me think of the times like how many times has he just been like yeah 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 okay because like, I think of like my kids, like they come to my room and they're like, "There's a monster under my bed." I'm usually like, "Okay, cool." Like tell it I said hi, bye. Like, <laughs> but every now and then I'm like, "What? Oh my gosh! I'll come with you and I'll get a flashlight and I'll check." Like every now and then right. I go the extra mile. And I'm like, "You go, Wendy." Yeah. 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 Like you mentioned it ten there. times now. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go check. Pretty much. <laughs> Jeez. Um. So um. Excuse me, sir. So Bran's like, all right, we'll go down, but um, how are we going to get down there? Because um, Hodor is too scared to go down in the crypts. He won't bring me down there. And so Lewin's like, oh, I got somebody. And he goes and gets Osha. And um, Osha is that wildling woman who who attacked Bran eventually, but they took her captive, brought her to the castle, and they've slowly began to trust her. She doesn't have as many tight you know, chains on her arms. She still has ankle, ankle um, chains on her, but she's still pretty free to roam around the castle just i don't know she's kind of nice it's like they're getting their you know they're building trust with her and um they head down to the crypts and i just want to note how freaking giant the crypts are like it talks about like it's it's as wide as winterfell itself and they're on just like the first level of the crypts like it goes like way down and i'm just like holy crap like it's the biggest mass grave thing i've ever heard of (laughs) and um it makes you wonder, also, like, how long did Winterfell take to... I mean, I'm sure it's written in history somewhere, but, like, hundreds of years it would be because, like, a castle itself in those times would take, like, like 100 years to be built or something. like yeah. Yeah, like 50 years or eight, like... But this has, multi, like, intricate multi-level basement, basically. <laughs> right. Well, the other thing I, I was noticed as I was reading, they refer to it as a vault, very often and it's full of secrets <laughs> exactly that's what it is um i i sadly googled it and it's like oh yeah it's a chamber full of blah blah blahs and i was like well that makes sense i guess but it's cooler if you think of it as a vault like a bank vault that's full of yeah. awesome stuff <laughs> so i'm still gonna view it like that that you know they call it a vault because there is stuff down there 
Like, well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, like the truth of John's parentage could be down there for all we know. We'll see. I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So as they head down there, Osha, uh, they're walking through all these, all the different statues of all the previous Kings. And we get, uh, this is a really great way to add in history and world building Mm -hmm. as you read the chapter, because you know, they're walking down and Osha makes a comment on one of them and Lewin's like, hey, Bran, why don't you tell us about these kings? Like, you know, it's kind of like a teaching moment for Lewin as as he, you know, he's a teacher to Bran. He's like, all right, let's see what you remember. But we as the audience, we get to read it and we're just like, this is so cool. Yeah. It's nice <laughs> it's cool stuff. it makes, like so many authors make this mistake of info dumping. And it's it's so clunky and it feels unnatural, but George is great at it because it makes sense that Lewin would ask Bran to re, you know mm-hmm. recite it because Bran needs to know. And so he's like, oh well, perfect opportunity. Like Harrison said, <laughs> like a homeschool mom. Like, well, this is a great learning opportunity. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and and Osha, and Osha, like she asked. Like, so I mean, she prompted the conversation, so it felt very natural. But we still get to get all the information without having like a you know a once upon a time moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. Just reading through the stories, like I don't know. I, I really like some of them. Like, let's see. Um, I think it's um. Uh, that uh, that's a Brandon. Uh, wait, was like that's mm-hmm. the Brandon, the tall one with the dream, dreamy face. He was Brandon the shipwright because he loved the sea. His tomb is empty. He tried to sail west across the sunset sea and was never seen again. His son was Brandon the burner. He because he put the torch to all his father's ships in grief. Which, by the way, I feel like that's some ancient Greek like something story that, like in the real world, like in this world. And I'm like, I'm sure that's happened, and someone told me that story because it like. There was a connection in my brain that made, but I don't know what it worked from. But, well, Grimm loves drawing from real history and mm-hmm. twist, you know, I'm not going to use the word plagiarizing because that's not the right word. No, but like, no. taking, but taking like taking actual history and then like putting a fantastical fictional right. twist on it. It's so good. Well, it's also just very smart to do that because it instantly connects the audience with the book. It's mm-hmm. like, oh wait, I know what this is, and. Yeah. You know, it's not something brand new we have to learn. You know, we do, I don't have to take notes on this because it's like, I already basically know the story. He's just changing it enough to make it mm-hmm. a little more interesting, a little more his own. Yeah, it's um, great. Right. And, and, and well, another, sorry, this is just a really cool, you know, it's not a really an info dump, but what I like about it, it's also, it's just these small little lines, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like, Oh, tell us absolutely everything you know about Brandon ship. Right. It's like, Oh no, here's just a basic story. And it's yeah. enough to like, we, you know, it's little nibbles. We're like, mm, that's good. Ooh, I like that. Mm. You know, a good Ritz cracker full of information. <laughs> mm, <buttery. laughs> what right? I liked about the whole passage, the most, this little section of it was that, it felt like such a real conversation because he was like, "Not, not me, not me, Brandon. A different, yes, you know, yes. you know, not, not, not Rickon. You know, a different Rickon. Like it was just like yeah. so real. It's to so me. cute. It's like it's just like a little kid would say it. Like you know, like one of those like super smart little kids that you like go out of your way to engage in conversation with them just so you could hear them talk because they're so yeah. freaking cute. <laughs> it was one of those where he should be on like that show like Kids Say the Darndest Things. You know, yeah. like not right. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it felt very real. So cute. Right. And then um then they get down to the end where um Leanna and, and Brandon Stark's tombs are and um they make what was it? So they get down there, Osha even remarks like wow Leanna is a beautiful woman and 
Then we get that, you know, the rumor, the rumor that everyone believes, you know, Robert was betrothed to marry her, but Prince Rhaegar carried her, her off and raped her, Bran explained. And uh, Robert fought a war to win her back, killed Rhaegar on the trident with his hammer, but Lyanna died and he never got her back at all. And, you know, that's just, you know, hearing it from Bran, it's like, it's like, wow, like, this is like what is really believed like this is what's settled in the world that that is what happened of course we as the readers who are very smart <laughs> no otherwise but um and then it mentions that um it mentions that liana and brandon stark which is ned stark's brother they're actually not supposed to be there like their tombs th- th- right. this crypt is only for the kings of winterfell the leaders of winterfell but it says like Ned loved them so much that he put the tombs in there anyway. Which is kind of funny because I'm like, Ned was so progressive because it's not like he was the first Lord of Winterfell to really love his family and be super sad that they died. (laughs) Right. Right. It's pretty progressive of him to be like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. Considering he's so traditional. Right. Well, and and for some reason, I I feel like the, I feel like, Ned putting their tombs in there is just breeding ground for theories and like, Oh, like why did he put them down there? There's probably something in there, but it's also one of the few, I don't know. I look at it. I'm just like, I think he just loved and cared about them and he wanted them mm-hmm. to be with the family. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, you're, I'm going to brag about my wife for a second. No. Yes, I am too bad. Too bad. <laughs> my wife made this. Let me see. Zoom it in. <gasps> Yoda. It's Baby Yoda in Disneyland with a little balloon. It's oh adorable. my god, that's so cool. My wife's awesome, right? Thank she you. is. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Oh, he's gone again. <laughs> <He'll be back>. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to jump in and out. You know, and it's funny. He probably love to go give Nicole a kiss. Probably. Can't show that <laughs> <Ew. on camera. laughs> Oh, off sorry. Camera. <laughs> off camera PDA. Pretty much. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, I just can't resist her. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, see, yeah. I, I don't know. This is, even though it's a breeding ground for theories, that's the one, that's one thing that I'm just like, I'm not even going to touch it. I think he just loved and cared about them so much that he wanted his family all together. Yeah, and it just it, it changed everything. Like it changed the political atmosphere. It changed his, you know, where he stood in the world. It's changed his future. It changed, you mm-hmm. know, who was set on the throne. Like it literally changed everything. And so it wasn't just a normal like, oh, my sister, she was so cool. Like. It was a monumental moment in history. So most definitely. Um, let's see. So, so they get to Ned's tomb, which is empty, and of course, Lewin's like, "See, like he's not there." And he sticks kind of the torch in there, and Shaggy Dog pops out of the darkness. <laughs> you know, I was those- like, what the heck? Like Shaggy Dog, come on. <laughs> well, I, Maester Lewin, like, why? <laughs> the, so the thing is, like, okay, so, you know, so basically Shaggy Dog attacks him. They, they calm him down, get that all figured out. Rickon is like, hey, I had the same dream. I, you know, net, dad was down here. And I feel like Shaggy Dog popping out of the tomb is kind of like, hey, Lewin, guess what? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's that supernaturally feel that 
something that he can't explain, basically jumping in front of his face and just being like, this is happening and you need mm-hmm. to adjust. You need to figure this out. So um, let's see. So yeah. Yeah. Rick and tells him that they had the same dream. They, they kind of, they kind of gather up and they decide to head back to the maester's tower. And I just kind of like, like Brandon or yeah. Brand's like, Hey, we're going to head back to the maester's tower now. And Maester Lewin's like, well, no, like blah, blah, blah. And Osha's the one who has to pop in is like, well, he is the, he is the Prince of Winterfell, yo. Like, <laughs> you listen I, to him. I know. I can imagine like Lewin's face being like, wow, thanks for reminding me. Like I didn't know. <laughs> right. I don't then, know, like, um, how, like, I like how like Osha was the one that was down there instead of Hodor because she obviously has like, you know, from being beyond the wall, like she believes in like the, you know, the fairy tales and the, the magic and the darkness, like she's seen it. So the fact that she was the one down there when Rickon was like, Hey, I had the same dream. Like she was just able to like cock her head and look at him. Like, uh, now you're going to listen to the kids because they're obviously trying to tell you something mm-hmm. like I think her being there was kind of like the like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, then the, I mean, what's really funny is so they get back to the Maester's Tower and the tower, the Maester's Tower is like Merlin from Sword in the Stone's room. There's pi- <laughs> piles of books. There's you know bird droppings everywhere, and I know, this this that's the image I have. Yeah, and um, I love how Lewin is still trying to like ground them. He says, um, I agree that it's odd that both of you boys dream the same dream. Yet when you stop to consider it, it's only natural. You miss your Lord father and you know, he is a captive and so on and so forth. And it, it's just, he's just, he's just so like, this is the way things are. Yeah. And I'm not going to branch out. Right. Yeah. Have to be able to explain things logically. Right. Um, let's see. But, th- but then what's, what's also kind of interesting about this is so, they're sitting down they're cleaning his bandages and um what is it let me see what's like um one second oh yeah 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 this is when we start talking about the children of the forest you get kind of a little history story about history oh my gosh yeah it's it's pretty impressive but before that happens um you know osha is basically like oh yeah like the children of the forest could tell you a thing or two about about dreams and he's like oh well they're all dead and osha's like well not on my side of the wall like they're still up there and then um then they they kind of talk about it and um lewin brings out like a bottle of dragon glass or and (laughs) what i like about it is like osha's like oh that's dragon glass and he's like it's obsidian it's not dragon glass it's obsidian (laughs) and um (laughs) and he gives out a couple to the kids and things like that and I find it interesting that Lewin actually has this just kind of there. Like, I, I'm curious if it has some sort of magical, like, well, not magical because that's not Lewin, but like some other types of properties that he would, the reason he would keep it around. But then we dive into the history of the Children of the Forest. And I just want to note something. I believe it talks about, Lewin mentioned something along the lines of like, oh, like that happened like 5,000, I think he says 5,000 years ago. Um, t- 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 yeah, I want to say he says 5,000 years ago, but like the very beginning of the book, Ned says something a lot. He says like, oh, like they've been gone 8,000 years. And I think that's just a small hint towards the fact that history way back then, they don't really know. 
right. like exactly how it goes. Like they talk like they, you know, like saying, oh yeah, it was exactly 5,000 years ago that that happened. But there's just some contradictions to it. There's some of the, the way that Lewin does the order of events is a little, is a little off in my brain. So basically, basically, um, let's see if I can remember how it goes exactly. So basically it's like, oh yeah, the children of the forest, they were the first people on this continent kind of talks about, you know, like, oh, there were these little, there were these small people, beautiful, beautiful people. They look like children. Um, this is how they, this is how they hunted. This is the type of weapons they had kind of the basic nitty gritty of it. And then, um, the next big event they talk about is the first men coming over from Essos. And just want to note that this was the coolest thing I discovered when I, when I was first reading the book that originally Westeros and Essos was connected by a strip Mm -hmm. of land down in Dorne. It actually went all the way across Mm -hmm. the sea and Mm -hmm. you could walk, walk from Essos over to, over to Westeros. That's a long walk from Dorne to. (laughs) It is is a very long (laughs) walk. But basically, the first men come over, they start conquering the territory, they're cutting down weirwood trees, and the children of the forest can't really stop them from doing it. There's a war breaks out, lots of people are dying, and um, even even the children of the forest, they call upon their magic, and they actually smash the arm of Dorne, and now it's called the Broken Arm, to kind of cut off their supply chain, cut off other people, you know, more first men coming over and taking over the area. Is that grandma in the background? It is. <laughs> hey, grandma. Hi, grandma. Grandma Rose in the house. She's, she's watching it as we're doing it. So there's like a what? A minute delay? 30 second delay? So she's like. Yeah, so she's like, so she won't hear you guys for a second. She's like looking at me like, why are you looking at me? Welcome like to that? the future, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Our biggest fan in the house. I love it. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, so basically it hits a point where um, there's just so much death death between the first men and the children of the forest that they meet up on the the gods, it, uh, the island that's in the god's eye, which is kind of near where Heron Hall was built, and they form the pact. And let's see, so it says, um, there they forged the pact. The first men were given the, the coastlands, the high plains, and bright, and bright meadows, the mountains and bogs, but the deep woods were to remain forever the children's, and no more weirwoods w- were to be put to the axe anywhere in the realm, so the gods might bear witness to the, si- to the signing. Every tree on the island was given a face, and afterward the sacred order of green men was formed to keep watch over the Isle of Faces. So, I do just want to note something I just realized that so there's the green seers and then there's the green men. Like those mm-hmm. are two different things. So there, there are people on, you know, if we believe this history, there are people on that Island right now watching over and protecting it. So maybe we'll get there well, someday. Isn't, um, uh, Helen Reed, isn't he a green seer? Um, no, no, he's or ancestor of, or, some, well, th- that's kind of a whole other thing too. But like, because um, Hal- Howland Reed's one of the Kranig men who live in the yeah. neck, and um, there's some rumor, there's he some spent, theories. He spent time on the God's Eye. That's what it was. I be- I believe there are rumors that he did. I don't think we know yeah. that for a fact. But um, no, I'm I'll, actually I'll I, read, I read it in the world of Ice. Remember, I did that that breakdown on Howland Reed um, before the tournament where Liana met. 
yeah. Rhaegar. Oh, he yeah, came yeah, yeah. from the Isle. He spent That's time right. there, like learning from the trees and like becoming one with the trees. I think That's I remember right. that. Mm-hmm. I think I remember. Yeah, no, I remember that now. No, d- d- in terms of the rumor or the theory I was talking about, uh, some people believe that the Cranach men they're they're the they're the they're men who made it with the children of the forest back then, and then they've spawned from that. So, well, that's a whole other thing. We'll, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, let's see. There was something. Let's see, sign of the pact. Oh yeah. So then, then so the pact is signed. The age of hero begins, and I just want to note how like. I feel like we know so little about the age of heroes, even though they talk about it so much. Like we get mentions of different heroes and like big feats and big moments that happen, but we don't like have like a timeline of it. It feels very vague. Right. Um, I like to feel like it was a long time though, in between the Andals coming over, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a good age. Like that's what they call the age of heroes. Cause like there was, I like to feel like there was peace, you know, like, like all this shit happened between, you know, the children of the forest and the first men, but then like they figured it out and then it was good, good for a long time. I want to know more about that good time before the end. Right. <laughs> so, so this is where uh, there's a little discrepancy in terms of the history. Cause um, Lewin will, Lewin then says, um, so long as the kingdoms of the first men held sway, the pact endured all through, all through the age of heroes and the long night and the birth of the seven kingdoms. Yet finally there came a time many centuries when other people crossed the narrow sea. So this is when the Andals showed up. And according to Lewin, the long night happened before that occurred. Mm. And I, and I'm about 90% sure that's not I'm true. You. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think so, the Andals were there for the first, for the long night. Exactly. No, I, I, th- I think what it was is the Andals. Cause Basically, the Andals come up, show up, and they basically just do a whole other First Men thing where they conquer the territory. They're taking out more children of the forest. They're pushing they probably, everyone into the north. They probably triggered the Long Night. <laughs> that, see, that's what I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm about ninety percent sure that's yeah. how it happened. Was the Andals showed up? They they were a different invader. They were a lot stronger than the First Men and the children of the forest. And, and that's then why the, the children of the thing. forest had to create the. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. I think that just shows us that we just need to be careful in terms of long history that we actually read it carefully and know what's going to happen right. because people don't know exactly how it happened. <laughs> Excuse me. <sighs> um, okay. Let's see. So, so basically he tells that story and then it, and then we get cut off before we get to the juicy stuff. <laughs> I feel like, of course. um, because, um, the, a Raven shows up and as soon as the Raven shows up, Rickon begins to cry um bran has a moment let's see what does he say he says like oh yeah yeah maester loon broke off startled when shaggy dog bounded to his feet and added to added his voice to his brothers uh dread clutched at bran's heart it's coming he whispered the crow like he he knows it's happening uh maester loon stares <laughs> i actually really like this part maester loon stared at the blackbird as if it were a scorpion with feathers like he's just He's just like, holy crap, this is actually happening. And dark uh, wings, he, dark wings, dark words. Exactly. Um, this is where we get mentioned that the ra- that the, the, the raven who brought the message, he's been injured by a hawk. Um, he opens it up, and uh, Bran found himself shivering as the maester unrolled the paper. What is it, he said, holding his brother all, all the harder. You know what it is, Osha said, not unkindly. She put her hand on his on his head. Mm. And then Maester Lewin, once again, he's trying to keep him grounded. He's an intellect. He says, Maester Lewin looked up at at them nimbly, a small gray man with blood on the the sleeve of his gray wool robe and tears in his bright gray eyes. 
My lords, he said to, to, uh, to the sons in a voice gone hoarse and shrunken, we will, uh, we, we shall need to find a stone carver who knew his likeness well. And it's just like, ah! <laughs> and I'm crying for a second time. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I have tears right now, just listen to it. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's just, that's like, I don't know, it's like, it's like the confirmation after the confirmation that he's, yeah. that Ned is dead. Yeah, it's it's like, just like, like, really <sighs> like, if you numbskulls didn't catch it the first time, yeah. he's gone. <laughs> right. Now, um, so yeah, that's, that's the chapter. Like I said, it, it, it doesn't feel like a closing for Bran in terms of his character in this book, but it's still a pretty good chapter. Um, one thing I do want to note in terms of the timeline of where this chapter actually lands, because for the Raven to travel all the way up to Winterfell would take quite some time. Plus the comet showed up and I'm pretty sure the comet is like makes its actual timeline. First appearance is when um, Danny goes into the pyre to, mm-hmm. you know, hatch the dragon eggs. So just, just a little thing. I think, I think this actually happens quite a bit later in terms of the timeline mm-hmm. timeline. So. But it is interesting, like you said, cause it was a very transformative chapter for Arya, not just the ending, but the whole chapter just shows that she's having to come to grips with her life will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the next chapter we're about to talk about is super transformative for Sansa as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that like, it's kind of more of just a information for the reader chapter from mm-hmm. or Brandon Ricken. Yeah. Well, well kind of like what uh, Brooke was saying, there's like these hints of, of brand being more connected mm-hmm. to the third eye Raven, but it's kind of, but the thing is like for Arya, it's like, Oh, she has to adjust this whole new life and she's got to learn to survive. And then with Ned dying, it's like, okay, she actually has to know this. Like yeah. this is the start of her having to know this. But with Bran, it was kind of like, Oh, you get kind of this hint and hint and there's no and it, like, yeah, and it kind of to be continued. like this yeah. is a, first book and so you kind of wonder too if maybe he just didn't have a super clear direction of where he was going with Bran's character because it's well known that like Arya is George R. R. Martin's favorite character mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that, I mean it, maybe he just was kind of like leaving his options open with Bran and with Arya he just felt a little, little more connected to her character mm-hmm. could be because yeah, the, I mean, the three things I noticed were one obviously the dream about Ned being down in the crypts Mm-hmm. The second one was that in the dream, Ned was sad and Bran knew it had something to do with John. Yeah. How? Why? And, yeah, then, why? and then the, and then the, the third true. one was the line where they're talking about the children of the forest when they first start mentioning it. And he says, tell me about the children, Bran said. It was important. Like, he literally <laughs> says, it was important. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I did forget to mention that. Yeah, part of Bran's dream was Ned mentioning, like, he was sad yeah. about something. I think it was something to do with John. And I and- like to think that that is a reference. Oh, Ethan, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, uh, no, it's just so interesting. I mean, you feel like it's like, okay, like, how did Bran get that information? Was, is that the three, is that, you know, Blood Raven or the Three Eyed Crow, like, bringing that information? Like, he was, like, I don't know, but it just doesn't sound like something yeah. he would do. He's not exactly the nicest person on the planet. Right, <laughs> so yeah. it kind of seems strange that he would relay that information was it like a ghost from ned did he like his ghost spirit like fly all the way back to <laughs> kings to back to winterfell to tell him that or i don't know, I don't know. Did, did you have a thought madison i was just saying i wonder if it's kind of letting the 
reader know what Ned's last thoughts were. Mm. Because I'm sure he had a thinking like, I "I never got to tell John about his mother. Like I never got to finish. Like I had a really important job of carrying this information for a really long time. And I never got to do it. You know, like I had had lots of of goals while I was here, but I kind of forgot about another really important job I was doing. And Maybe that was kind of a, a, us finding out what his last thoughts were before he died. I was, like that, actually. I kind of dropped the ball. I got so so sidetracked with this Robert thing that uh, and this John Aaron thing that I kind of forgot about um, a path I was already on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I do like that because I feel like I feel like probably probably George was writing that Arya chapter and he was like you know what the one thing i want the, the audience to know is that he that ned was thinking of john and this mm-hmm. is how he found a way to tell us so mm-hmm. i really like that great great point guys um do we have anything else we want to say about brand's chapter before we move on you know i felt, i loved it i think i love the two big history chunks we get um mm-hmm. i enjoy reading it but that last paragraph just, just it slays me oh. every time you know <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's like the confirmation to confirm it for me. It's just like, ah, it's so tough. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to Sansa chapter 67, which is Sansa six. This is her last chapter for this book. And, um, uh, just a fair warning. We're probably going to say Joffrey is an asshole a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Okay. So, so, uh, so I want to plant a question in your guys's mind before we start and we'll answer it at the end. Okay. So out of these three people, who do you think deserves to be killed? Like in a brutal way, (laughs) um, Maester Pycelle, um, Sir Maren Trant or Joffrey Baratheon. Those are the three in this chapter that I was like, these three need to die now (laughs) because they are so terrible. And we'll get to that as we read on. So just, just kind of permeate that in your brain as we, as we read. Okay. So, um, so basically this chapter is Sansa's reaction to the death of Ned Stark and her father. And I just want to note that basically this is another prop to Yorin because we're about to see what is going, what is occurring in Sansa and basically what Yorin saved yeah. Arya from, from. Right. The effect of uh-huh. the other side of that coin, what someone yeah not protecting you from seeing that looks like exactly I mean, it, it, seriously the, especially just these first two three pages is so brutal to me um basically she's she's in Rhaegar's hold fast she she sleeps she wakes up crying the servants bring her food she isn't eating um she's contemplating suicide and and actually two different instances the first one she she's thinking about like what if i just jumped out this window and just fell to the ground and died it would end my pain and it talks about her like going to the window and she like lost her courage and like stepped back and it's just like like <laughs> I, know. I, I mean i mean i mean what she how old is she she's 12 12 13 12, something 13, like that yeah. and it's I think just she turned 13 in this book actually yeah and, and either way right um it talks about um it talks about my surprise cell bringing her like a sleeping potion or like some medicine to help her feel better or whatever. And she ends up drinking the whole thing that very night, which is, I mean, that's just, that's straight up. Like 
it's reckless. Well, I would care. be too after I get molested after all that. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, the the other thing that also so so I feel I feel like throughout the books we're seeing kind of the breakdown of Sansa's dreams of you know, the stories of knights and chivalry and all that stuff. Mm. And I feel like this is kind of like the crash landing of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of strange because she's thinking, she's contemplating jumping out the window and she's thinking about like, Oh, like if I jump out this window at everyone who betrayed me and did terrible things to me, they'll die of guilt and the singers will sing about it for the grief of my death. And I'm, I was sitting there thinking about it. And I was like, that wouldn't actually happen. Like, no. like Cersei That's, wouldn't. They would just hide it, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The thing is, they would hide it. They might. They probably wouldn't even release the information. Like Cersei would right. probably pretend that she's still alive in order to, you know, keep that power. Sure. You right. know that that trade that that trading bargain. You know, and I don't know. It, it's just it's it's like this combination of her dreams and you know fantasies are totally smashed but she's still like slightly in there it's funny because i feel like there's a few times that she almost catches herself like she's just like what you know what have you done like how could you be so stupid and naive and then she's like well but uh, no like you're doing it again like Mm -hmm. where she's like what cersei said that and then she was like oh you're so stupid like she never liked you like right she it's like her, she's coming to reality but still has to catch herself mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then and then yeah then maester pycelle comes in with you know flasks and bottles and has her stripped naked she's held down on her bed and he touches her and it's just it's, it's like the most disgusting thing i've read in a long time and i was just like you it's almost as bad explicit. as watching him stretch Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah yeah no watching him stretch is pretty bad as well <laughs> but um but yeah, so this is the moment where she dr- she drinks that potion all of it down, which I would I would consider a suicide attempt almost because I mean she didn't know he told her to drink it over the course of a few days. I think it's true. Yeah. I guess it's, it's still I don't know. Sorry, this is just really rough for me. But um, uh, then we get this dream that is just so terrifying to me. Like um, I'm just gonna read it. Uh, she dreamt of footsteps on the tower stair, an ominous scraping of leather on stone as a man climbed slowly t- toward her bedchamber. Um, step by step, all she could do was huddle behind her door and listen, trembling as he came uh, as he came closer and closer. It was Sir Ilan Payne. She knew she knew coming for her with ice in his hand, coming to take her head. There was no place to run, no place to hide, no way to bar the door. Finally, the footsteps stopped, and she knew she was, he was just outside, standing there silent with his dead eyes and his long uh, pocked face. That was when she realized she was naked. She crouched down, trying to cover herself with her hands as her door began to swing open, creaking, creaking, the point of the great sword poking through. Just, that's just terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Out, I mean, I mean, that's one of those dreams you wake up and you're hyperventilating, you're panicking. <laughs> I've had, yeah. I've had those and they suck. <laughs> My word. Um, okay. So that dream happens and then Joffrey shows up. God. <laughs> um she's like damn i wish it was her in pain <laughs> right so joffrey shows up and is basically like you're gonna attend with me at court you need to get out of bed you need to get dressed and she she's just like please just leave me be i can't i can't do this and joffrey's like if you won't rise and dress yourself my my hound will do it for you and 
and I, and this this is where we see a pretty big change in the hound. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel I feel like I feel like the hound wouldn't have done anything. Wouldn't like have you know dragged her out of bed and threw a dress on her roughly like at all. But I feel like the hound is kind of. I I wonder if the death of Ned Stark and hearing that Joffrey killed him like changed him in some way, and made him be a little more like sensitive towards Sansa. I mean, I know they had they had a they had a very touching moment during the tournament when he was bringing her home, and that that had a bit big amp- impact on him. But I mean, he's like he's really gentle with her throughout this whole chapter as well. I wonder too yeah. if it's like it's him reverting back to when he was little. No one stood up for him against his brother. No one is standing Mm -hmm. up for Sansa against Joffrey. So I wonder if it's just that, like, you know, he, that connection between the two almost. I I like that. Yeah. He's, he's seen like, she is helpless. No one helped me when I was there. That's a great point, Brooke. I like that. Um, let's see. And then, um, I think this is when Joffrey is like, Let's see. He, he starts talking like, oh, like, you know, you're still going to get married to me. And, you know, how old are you? Have you flowered yet? Like, when can I get you pregnant? Yeah. And, oh, how romantic. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think it's also when he was like, oh, and try to smile. You're so much prettier when you smile. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, excuse me. Come again. <laughs> yeah. Jo- jo- yeah. New, fla- yeah. Shockingly, Joffrey's an asshole during, during th- throughout this whole thing. And then, um, and this is when, oh no, no, let's see, I'm trying to think, what does, what does she say? Um, she says something to him to cause him, cause, cause basically Joffrey orders Sir Marin Tran to beat her. Mm-hmm. And if, I'm trying to remember if this is where she says something. Um, oh, oh yeah. Cause this is when Joffrey's all like, yeah, just like, oh, you're going to marry me. And Sansa's like. Uh, you chopped off my dad's head. Like that's totally not yeah. going to happen. And he's it like, I'm not I was merciful. He's like, oh, I was merciful. I could have done so on so forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's so okay. Wait, can I read it? I, no, yeah. oh, I put that it. in my notes. So do it. It says Sansa stared at him, seeing him for the first time. He was wearing a padded crimson doublet, patterned with lions, and a cloth of gold cape with a high collar that framed his face. She wondered how she could ever have thought him handsome. His lips were as soft and red as the worms you found after a rain, and his eyes were vain and cruel. I hate you, she whispered. (laughs) Ooh, I put that whole thing in my nose. That was my favorite part. (laughs) I know. I love it, too. Especially Um, because I feel like she's like... I mean, it says that she saw him for the first time. And to me, I'm like, that's it. Like, she, it's, everyone picks her apart. But, like, she was so blinded by what she wanted to be true. But it's like, it all co- it all comes rushing in right now. She's like, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> you have worms for lips. And I hate you. I do not want to marry you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to smile for you. Like, none of it. Um, I also want to note that it says that, um, his padded crimson doublet was patterned with lions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mention anything about stags anymore. Oh, so I'm curious yeah. if this is kind of the moment that they're officially like, we're taking over. The Lannisters are in charge now. Yep. Um, this this is when uh, Joffrey orders that very noble knight of Sir Marin Trant to beat her. And the thing is, there's no hesitation at all. Like the knight was on her before she could think yanking back her head and she tried to shield her face and backhanding her across the ear with a gloved fist. I mean, this is a mailed fist, you know, I mean, this is smacking her across the ear. I mean, I mean, he is an elite, elite guard. Like, so, I mean, he's not just like some, you know, 
kid who got promoted. Like he's a man who is to guard the king, a beast of right. a man. And he, I love how Joffrey's like, my mom says it's not cool for me to hit you, so I'm just gonna have this huge ass dude punch <sighs> you in the face. Yeah, I mean, I mean the thing is, okay, she's like tw- she's like 12 years old. I mean, she could be dead. She could have died yeah. from that. Yes, yeah. I mean, smack that hard across the face. So, I mean, that's just so sick. Um, so basically, she's like, he's like, do I need to do I need to chastise you again, or are you gonna get dressed? And he's like, she's like, okay, I'll get dressed. Like, I'll I'll do it. And I think this. Let's see. Um. Oh yeah. So this is when the hound reaches down, picks her up, and she's like, "What does he want? Please tell me." He wants you to smile and smell sweet and be his lady love. The hound rasps. He wants to hear you recite all your pretty little words the way the Septa taught you. He wants you to love him and fear him. And I think later on, he basically tells her, like, just do what he wants. Like, just just do it. Because there, there's two ways it's going to happen. Either you're going to do it or you're going to hurt until you do it. Mm-hmm. So Sansa, she she has a hot hot bath drawn for her. She cleans up. I mean, sorry, sorry. I'm still just so flabbergasted. She's 12 years old and she has to ask somebody to bring her makeup to cover up the bruise on her face. It's just so disgusting. Um, I'm getting a little passionate. Okay. Um, (laughs) So she gets all cleaned up. She, she puts on a green silk gown that she was wearing at the tourney when, when Joffrey and her were being sweet to each other. And he was actually being a kind person at that time. And um, she's basically like, maybe if I wear this, it'll remind him to, you know, be be the gentleman that he was last time that I wore this. And um, let's see. Um, okay, so this is when Sir Marin Trant shows up to escort her down to the, excuse me, down to court. And um, let me think. This is the worst. He goes, my lady, he said, bowing as if he had not beaten her bloody only three hours past. Oh gosh, yeah. Like, he just walked in like he's supposed to, I don't know, like, it was such a, what a dick move. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let me, I'm trying to find it. Um, oh, yeah, okay. So, basically, she's like, well, if I don't come, are you going to hit me? And he's like, are you refusing to come? And uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, okay. He did not hate her, Sansa realized. Neither did he love her. He felt nothing for her at all. She was only a thing to him. No, she said, rising. She wanted to rage to hurt him as he'd hurt her, to, to warn him that when she was queen, she would, she would have him exiled if he ever dared strike her again. But she remembered what the hound was, uh, had told her. So all she said was, I shall do whatever his grace commands, as, as I do, he, he replied. Yes, but you are no true knight, Sir Marin. Mm. I don't remember that yeah. from my from my previous readings. Just have she said that to him? Like she really finds her voice. Like she got some balls in this chapter. Mm-hmm. I, I know, but just I mean, I mean, just just that phrase. She was only a thing to him. That part really got me. But yeah. but yeah, just just having her say that straight to him without. I mean, because the thing is, she's like she. He could smack me. He could beat me across the face at any moment that's that's some bravery right there coming yeah. out of her so i'm i'm proud of her for that like, mm-hmm. he might hit me again but it'll be worth it to say this to his face yep. right so um then we head down to court and joffrey joffrey's basically up there and he he's kind of passing like he's passing through the you know the people who come to him to ask for things he's like yeah whatever whatever Ooh, this is one that i can inflict torture on mm-hmm. um um, there's like uh, there's a gal who wants to bar- bury a, bury a traitor, 
instead of having his head cut off or whatever. And he's like, Oh, well you must be a traitor too. Why don't you go down to the dungeons? Um, he, he has two knights fight each other to the death over some squabble over land. Um, then we get kind of the, the, the scene that's in, that's in the, the TV show where um, there's a singer who has a song about King Robert and he's like, okay, well, if you want to lose your tongue or your, or your hands, like, let me know by tomorrow. Uh, I mean, he that's just gets so much. Shit. He is. He, he just gets so much. <laughs> he just gets so much joy out of out of hurting people. All right, real quick. If you were a bard, would you choose your hand or your tongue? Hand or tongue? Hand. Hand. Is it hand, or, hand. Is it hand or hands? Let's say hands, just to make it more brutal. Um, the, I still the, say hands. So, I'm gonna go tongue. <laughs> ooh, that's well, the thing. The thing is, play okay. the lute for coins. <laughs> but you could also just you could also sing and have someone else play the lute. <laughs> but, uh, but you can't wipe your own bottom if you don't have hands. So <laughs> that I is choose true. Did that? <laughs> I choose my I choose my tongue. <laughs> I thought about this. <laughs> that, that's some deep thinking, Madison. I like it. <laughs> that's what um, I'm here okay. for. <laughs> Jeez. Um, okay, so. Um, after after all that's done um also just a note another note um going back to the first one i talked about there's a lady there's a woman who comes to him and is like hey like she, i, I want to bury this man who was a traitor who had his head cut off she's not talking about ned just a note mm-hmm. like she's like she's not talking about ned at that time take the tinfoil off people <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so after that, um, Joffrey meets up with Sansa, and uh, I really like the part. Um, Walk with me, Joffrey commanded, offering her, her his arm. She had no choice but to take it. The touch of his hand would have thrilled her once. Now it made her flesh crawl. I, I don't know. I just I like that. Like she's <laughs> totally seen him for who he actually is. And then he has the gall to like ask her, like, "Oh, what are you gonna get me for my birthday?" <laughs> like I don't care who you are. Like ask that question, and I'm like. You're like an asshole. <laughs> like, you can my birthday. <laughs> like, really? Pretty much. And, and then, I mean, this is this this page right here is just full of things that you're just like, I hate your guts. Um, he talks about like, oh, like, you know, we'll get married. And if we have a kid, like, and if, if it's stupid, I'll just kill you. And I'll just find someone else to have to, to have a child with. Um, he, he mentions like, oh, my, my, my mother thinks you're stupid, too. And and this is where we also see a little bit of like Sansa still holding on to who she was. She she's actually shocked by that. She's like, "What? Like I thought the queen loved liked me still." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, look, like no one likes you right now. Like this is <laughs> you're just in a really bad situation. Yeah, even says like after all that had happened, his words should have lost power. But like mm-hmm. she's like, but it's but I I feel like she catches herself like. No, like these people are uh, bad, and they are all out to get you. So stop, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So um, as they're walking, she finally realizes where they're headed. They're heading towards. I think Ooh. it's. I think it's the Bailey is what they call it. Um, basically, where um, basically where all the heads of like Ned Stark's head and other members of House Stark, all their heads are mounted on the wall, and and this is where we get that moment where she's like, "I don't want to go. Please don't make me go." And the hound's like, look, you're either going to go willingly or he's going to make you. So just give him what he wants. Because he doesn't want to see her get hurt any more than she has. Um, and then, um, like, they go up. They go, to, they go to Ned's head and the hound, like, turns it around for her to see. And this is where Sansa, like, 
she puts up this defensive mechanism. She's like, she he can make me look at them, but I don't have to see them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of the op- opposite of what Sirio told Arya, <laughs> like to look with your eyes. And she realizes mm-hmm. that there's like, you don't have to do that. Like you can point your head <laughs> and your eyes towards something, but you can choose not to see it. Like, mm-hmm. You literally just took the words out of my oh, mouth. I'm so sorry. Great. No, 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 that's perfect. I, I, I love hearing other people. But I just, have that I, thought read it, I was just like, oh, that's exactly the opposite of what Arya did. And like, but still the same. Like, yeah. Exactly. Well, well, the thing is, they're, they're in just such opposite. There's this nice opposition in terms of Arya and Sansa. You know, mm-hmm. one of them's chained up and stuck somewhere. Arya's out free, but, you know, like she's out of the mm-hmm. castle, but she's enduring so much more. The thing is, like, Arya goes through her own type of trauma. She sees like the brutality of the war that starts because of Ned Stark's death. And Sansa saw the brutality of start of Ned actually dying. Yeah. Basically their, their lives are just full of terror well, and, and it's horrible. Like, wow, like, like I think Sansa had it easier because she got to, at least she's being clothed and fed and like kept yeah. safe. She's being kept prisoner. But on the same hand, it's like, but like the, like, but mentally what she went through was yeah. such, torture mm-hmm. so i mean it, yeah aria had to you know kill people and and you know scrap to survive but at least she was free for most of it pretty much um so so joffrey basically goes up to to ned's head and it's it's totally disfigured it's been dipped in tar to like preserve preserve the head and we th- this is where we get the, kind of that famous line from Sansa where she says like how long do I have to look? Mm, I know. And, oh man! And the, so jo- Joffrey is so desperate to get a reaction out of Sansa that he first he brings her to Ned and then he walks down like showing her all the other heads. He brings her to Septimore Dane, and whenever he doesn't get a reaction out of Sansa, he's like visibly like disappointed. The um so like Sophie Turner and oh gosh what's his name um. Oh god, I, I had it, and then I went uh, away. Me too. Anyway, this scene was so good on screen. Like Jack Gleason. Yes. Jack Gleason. Yes. Like <laughs> the way the way she just—I mean, her eyes are still red and puffy, and like, but she just so stoic. The way she's just like, "How long do I have to look at it?" I was like, "You nailed that delivery." And the way yeah, he just good. puffs and puffs, and it's like, oh, oh, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> "Yes, good job, guys." So, um, so. It was funny. I had an experience this week that kind of reflected this in a non-terrible way. Um, <laughs> my my three-year-old son, he got into like, it was like this pineapple mush stuff that we were trying to make a smoothie. It didn't work out. But he took <laughs> and he dumped it on the ground. He was playing it. And I was like, oh, Jamie. And I went and started cleaning it. And he literally like walked up to me and was like watching me. Like, he was like, are you going to get mad at me? <laughs> like, he was just like, he was literally like, he like looked at me and then he like walked away and he came back and he was like, really? You're not mad? And I'm just, and I was like, it's okay. Like, I'm not mad. Like, I'll just clean it up. <laughs> and it, I don't know. I feel like that's almost here. Like, it's just such a childish thing for Joffrey to be like, oh, I want to do something that's going to make you upset. Right. <laughs> it's just it's so and, sad. Yeah. And then he's just like waiting for a reaction. And she's like, sorry, buddy. I got nothing. <laughs> right. like, I done cried my tears. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, um, day up in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh then he sh- then he shows her like oh these these two spikes these are for my my uncles and oh this one's gonna be for your brother because i'm totally gonna get an army together i'm gonna go cut his head off and then she responds with like oh well maybe he'll bring bring me your head 
And I was like, baller. All right. And then uh-huh. um, then jo- Joffrey has Sir beat her again, l- pretty brutally as well. Yeah. Like, cuts her lip open. Yeah, like, held her in place. Yeah, Ooh. held her in place. <sighs> and then, um, then we get the moment where basically that happens she gets up says that sansa made herself smile afraid that he would ha- that uh he would have sir Marin hit her again if she did did not but it was but it was no good the king still shook his head wipe off the blood all, blood you're all messy and this is when she has that moment where she's like he's standing on this bridge i could push him down i don't even care if i fall down with him but i could do this right now yep. and and then the hound comes in and I don't think the hound was like, I'm going to save Joffrey here. I think he was legitimately just trying to be sweet and kind to her. I was going to wonder, I put in my notes, like, do you think he saw that she was starting to be desperate? And he yes. knew that if she did you know something, what? she was dead either way. Whether she went over with him or she mm-hmm. killed him, she was dead either way. And yeah, I think stopped he her. You I know what? What she was wanting to do, yeah. I don't know why, but as soon as he said that, I'm actually retracting what I said because I think that adds just a little more depth to the hound that he's watching her and is like, he's trying to protect her because he's like, I don't want her dead. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if it means that Joffrey is still alive, I don't want her to die. I think at this point, he has already decided that he is team fuck the king, you know, his famous line. <laughs> right. And I think he's just, he's sticking around to make sure that his little bird survives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets in between them, dabs the blood off her face, gets her up, and um, and let's see. Then the last line—I I, I'm probably just going to read the last line every time, just so everyone knows. Um, the moment was gone. Sansa lowered her eyes. Thank you, she said when she when he was done. She was a good girl and always remembered her courtesies. Mm-hmm. And so, I actually don't actually like that last line. I usually like all the last lines, but. I don't know. It, it feels almost like it almost feels I, like it's it, it, it. like like this I is the Im- yeah. See, see, I don't know. I, the, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I'm viewing it. I, it just kind of it kind of I, feels I, like she's like taking a few steps back. Mm-mm. It's like no, yeah. I don't here, know. Here, I here, it, educate I, me. I no, I <laughs> this is a that's her deciding that she has to be calculating. Like yeah. she mm-hmm. has to like she wants. She knows what she wants to do. She knows what she wants to say. But if she's going to get any type of revenge that she wants to see, like she, she I think she realizes right there that she, she doesn't just out what her weapon is, and she doesn't <laughs> want to just die. Now she wanted to die. Now she doesn't want to just die. She wants to see him die. Mm, yes. and I so like I, that. That is her deciding that you know what, I I just said some pretty stupid stuff. But if I want to make progress here, I have to remember my courtesies. I have yes. to. I have to not get killed. Mm-hmm. I okay. love it. I, I do like that because I, that is true. <laughs> if you look back at this chapter, there's so many reckless things she does throughout it. And I, and yeah, if I view it like that, like this is her deciding, I'm not going to do that anymore. I am going to survive and I am going to make through this and I'm going to see him dead someday. I like that. Okay. All right. I, I'll stew on that and accept it. In my <laughs> mind. <laughs> oh man. Wow, cool. that, was that was an emotionally draining yes, chapter, guys. No, it really <laughs> is. Like, I, like, 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 I'm feeling it. Like, <laughs> it's so I said, tough. I like, like, oh, why do we bunch those up together? But really, it doesn't get uh, much happier from here on out. Yeah, at all. So. <laughs> Not at all. Um, okay, guys. So uh, that question I put in: who Who do you think oh, needs to yeah. die? 
Joffrey, Pycelle, or Sir Marin Trant, who's like, who's just the bottom of the barrel, and you're just like, you need to go away. It's gotta be, it's Joffrey for me. I, I just, yeah. I mean, is Marin, like, I think he gets, like, she says, like, oh, he doesn't hate me, like, he just is, like, sees me as a thing, but I mean, we all know that he gets his jollies off of beating little girls. Yeah. So, I, I so, I mean, I, Pardon me wants to say Marin, but really it's just Joffrey for me. Like that kid, I mean, like, it's pretty terrible. He's, just, he's, he's evil. Like he's evil. Mm. Yeah, my, my, mine's definitely Trant for me personally. It it just feels Joffrey's like an annoying, petulant child who just has too much power to me. And Trant is just like, you are just the scum of the freaking planet. And you need to yeah. die. So that that's just mine. Yeah, based on just this chapter, not outside information about Marin Trant's sleaziness, for me it's Pycelle because Ooh. because we know Joffrey's rotten. Marin Trant, we kind of know he's rotten. He's doing his job. Pycelle just comes in like, "Ooh, I'm gonna heal you, but let me do some molesty things while I'm at it." Like, yeah, to me, it's just it is like, kind of a like confirmation that like, "Oh, you really are a scumbag too." Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. cool. Yeah, for me, just like for me that he's way to take advantage of somebody. Yeah, Yeah, way to take advantage of somebody who's literally at their lowest low, and you Mm -hmm. decide to be selfish. Yep. So for me, that's why it's myself at this time. Yep. (laughs) Love love it, guys. All Um, of us decided that all three of them can rock. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Pretty much. All right, guys. Um, I I actually gotta get going. I gotta go help my help my kid. He's all sick and. It's oh, not man. bubbly noses and stuff. So I'm gonna go save his life. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, hey guys, thanks, thanks everyone for joining joining us on this for this chapter discussion. It was really yes, good it discussion. Was it was a fun Yay. discussion, though. It, it was. was. I, I'm 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 gonna sleep very well tonight because I mean, it's just it's good to get it off. Therapeutic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, hey guys, uh, why don't you, let's see. Let's just go over next week really quick before I head out. Yeah. Um. We got a so yeah, it was. We got a. Let me think. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Danny. so I think we have a Danny chapter. Yeah. John. Oh, I forgot about John. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So we have a Danny, a Tyrion, and then a John. That'll be good. Okay, yeah, great. That'll that'll be really good. Yeah. So, but yeah, guys, guess what? So we have next week, the week after, and then we're done with the first book. What? How is that happening? Blows yeah. my mind. I'm really and then we'll excited. Do, and then we'll do our, our award show. It's going to be tons of fun. Yay! <laughs> I'm, I'm super pumped for that. I can't wait to like I'll hammer out the format so I can start making lists. <laughs> it's going to be good. All right, guys. I'm going to get rolling. Bye, good chatting with you guys. We'll see you around. Bye, guys. Have a good night. You too.